So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place. Because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm your host, Chris Geis, and this is episode 9 being recorded on Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. The title is An Interview with Fast Eddie from Moto Jitsu. So Moto Jitsu is a program that Fast Eddie developed to help riders get more knowledgeable about motorcycling and more importantly, to practice skills through a graduated series of exercises that will help them master the control of any motorcycle and enable them to ride much safer. So this episode's about two hours long. Uh, we had a lot to talk about. Originally, I was thinking I might split it into two one-hour episodes, but I figured, you know, for people who maybe have, have the time and they're on a long ride or commute, you know, you could listen to the whole thing uninterrupted. And if you don't have, you know, two hours in one sitting, you know, definitely you could uh, listen to it in, in chunks, whatever works best for you. Also, in the last episode, which went out a couple days ago, I had asked listeners to send me an email or Facebook message and let me know who's out there and listening. And I want to say two listeners already have, and I wanted to say I really, really appreciate it. One of them is Tony Terabellini, who I'm going to have on next week as a guest on the podcast, and also George Meyer, uh, who shared a lot of info about his bike in the email to me. And there's actually a very cool story behind, behind how he got it. I'm not going to go into all the details right now, but I will in an upcoming episode. Uh, I really appreciate everything he, he shared about that. And so I'd like to ask the favor again, you know, any listeners who are willing, please drop me an email or fill that, fill out the contact us form on my website or message me on Facebook and, and let me know that you're out there and let me know where you live, how long you've been riding, what you currently ride, what you do and don't like about the show, which episode is your favorite so far, and any topics you'd like to hear about in the future. It really helps me to know who's out there listening and that there are actual people out there enjoying my episodes. Um, and I'm, I'm not just left with kind of cold, impersonal download statistics, you know, just looking at graphs and, and bar charts on a website is not all that exciting. So the, the more I know about you, you know, guys and gals out there, the more I can connect with you, you know, the, the better show I can produce for you. So if you're willing to do that, that would be awesome. And uh, without any further ado, let's get on to tonight's show. All right. So tonight's episode is going to be a lot of fun because I have a very special guest tonight. Joining me all the way from sunny San Diego is Greg Widmar, also known as Fast Eddie. Greg is the creator of the Moto Jitsu Master Riding Program, which I've talked about on my YouTube channel, on my Facebook page, and on this podcast. So welcome, Greg. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Looking yeah, my forward pleasure. To it. <laughs> my pleasure. So I thought, I, I know we've talked a little bit, but I just thought I'd give you a little bit about my background and like why I started this podcast, and then we'll kind of get into your mission and, and, and what you do and why I like promoting what you're sure. doing, including your, your Moto Jitsu program. So I started riding three years ago at age 53. So I got, got a little bit of a late start in life and I just love it. It's just so much fun. And so my thing is I want to help get other people interested in motorcycling and just enjoy it as much as I do. And like I mentioned to you earlier, you know, there's so much great content out there, including like your YouTube channel and what you're doing on Facebook. I don't want to, and we even discussed how, how you like refer people to Lee Park's total control, right? Cause you don't want to rewrite 
an excellent book that's already out there. So I don't want to redo things that have already been done well. I just want to help people find good content and then find ways that I can contribute in the community and kind of fill in and, you know, do things that, that aren't being done. Um, so I think it's fair to say that you've gotten really good at social media. Um, your, your YouTube channel, you've got now a little over 65,000 subscribers and you mentioned that you're getting almost a thousand new subscribers a day, right? This past week. So yes, you, you, about. you definitely figured something out. So that's, that's awesome. And uh, yeah. I, I, I am one of your subscribers. I don't know which number I was probably in the fifties <laughs> or something like that, but yeah, but that's really cool. And then, uh, you mentioned, I know you cleaned up and got rid of some stuff, but you've got like 378 videos out there now yes. right, on, on the channel. Um, I've watched, I'm going to guess 20 or 30. So I guess I have a little, have a little catching up to do. Um, <clears throat> he's got about 1600 followers on his Facebook page and I'm sure that's growing and you seem to be putting a little more emphasis on Facebook now. So maybe if you just kind of repeat what you've done on YouTube with Facebook, you'll probably have 60,000 over there too. <laughs> And then on Instagram, I'm getting close to um, 3,000 followers on Instagram. Oh, so it's just, nice. It's, so with the, well, first, the 50,000 or 65,000 subscribers, I mean, I, I once did the math for fun. Like, I thought of a city bus, and how many people would it take, or how many buses would it take to fill up 65,000 people, or like right. football stadiums, or... Right. Right. Yeah, you know, and it really is overwhelming the amount of people that is so many people. Like I was blown away at ten thousand. I was like ten thousand people are subscribed to my channel. But um the more and more it gets is just it's almost the more unbelievable it is. Just like you think about distance and astronomy, like the sun is so many right. millions exactly. of miles. It doesn't even seem realistic, yeah. like it doesn't right. make sense. But um with Facebook and Instagram, I didn't have any of that stuff at first. It was only YouTube. Well, when I when I actually started making videos, and then I was like, well, Instagram and Facebook might as well cross promote because nobody cares about my stuff more than me. So I was like, well, I figure I'd might as well cross promote myself in other ways. So I created Instagram and Facebook after I was already doing YouTube, and only to mainly just promote myself in different ways that other people may not. Just it's it's all just pointing towards my YouTube. That's all those sure. two things well, are to do. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but but of course, the benefit of Facebook and everything else. I reconnect with people that I haven't talked to in the Marines for 10 years or whatever. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, that's, that's one thing I like Facebook for. It's just interesting how you can find people through connections and stuff like that. Like I've just, you know, found people from high school, you know, that right. I haven't spoken to in years or, or, or that worked at a company I worked at 20 years ago, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah it's, it's really exactly. kind of interesting. Uh, and then, so we were talking, so your the book that you put out not too long ago was about two months ago, the Moto Jitsu um, Master Writing Program. I'd have to go back in my calendar to see the date, but it's about two months now. About that. Yeah. yeah, so you're at like 1,300 copies of that. So that's that's really cool. So, yep. Yeah, and that's uh, being offered through Amazon.com, and you recently came out with the ebook version. Yes. Right, which and, I, probably, I probably should have waited because I think it was like oh, it was like 10 days, two weeks after I, I bought the book. Uh, I was like, oh, he's got the ebook now because I, I do almost everything like ebook now. But it's kind of right. cool because the book is nice and compact. It actually – I. I on my YouTube channel, there's actually a little video I had done, um, like two two videos I had done. One where I just talked a little bit about your book and the program, and then I did this video called "What What's in Your Top Case?" And I mentioned one of the things in my top case is my you know Motojitsu booklet, and it's nice, compact, fits in there well. So I, I haven't started any of the exercises yet, but that's coming. I actually expect uh, my girlfriend Gina and I are gonna now that the weather's warmed up and. 
I, I ride all year round. Like even like I ride in 30 degrees. I don't care. But huh. uh, she's not much of a cold weather person. So I think on the weekends we'll get out, find a nice parking lot, and we're going to get our tennis balls cut in half. You know, there you go. A rack of those and, and, and start doing some. Uh, you probably would start videoing it too. You know, just post it up. So, so and I encourage track people. The progress. Yes. And if you're. If you're practicing or trying out the drills and you want feedback because you're just not here in San Diego, which are a lot of people are not available for me to meet up with, like the 10 people that I meet up with here weekly, I mean, every time I meet up with them, they're like, at the end of the day, we pick up the tennis balls and everything. They're like, man, thank you so much for being here because we're lucky that you're here and we're here. But everybody else that's not in San Diego that I can't meet up with, um, I always tell people just re- have someone record you doing whatever drill. Just do an emergency breaking for 20 minutes or whatever, Mm -hmm. 15 minutes, and send me the link on YouTube, and I'll watch it and give you feedback like I'm just standing there right next to you. So if if anybody ever wants to do that, then just feel free to email me the link to you practicing, Yeah, and I'll I'll watch it and give whatever feedback I could see. That's cool. I mean, I definitely advise people to take advantage of that. I'm sure we'll be doing that. Gina and I will do that as we as we make our videos and stuff. So that's that's really cool. And then uh, you mentioned you're working on a new book. Do you mind if I give the possible title? Um, I don't know how that works if, um, well, that's fine. That's fine. You're good. Um, yeah, well, it, it's pretty much the idea of the book is a smart way to ride a motorcycle. People are confused or unsure about because of so much misinformation about what to do, but it just goes into how to start riding a motorcycle, um, getting your license, picking out gear, picking out a bike, practicing, Additional courses it takes, street riding, braking. I mean, it just goes into the road to a mastery level and how do you actually get there? Because there's not many people that, because a lot of people just get on a bike and they go and they don't actually take formal training. Most people don't even take a course above and beyond the basic, which is insane because the basic course is only like the eighth grade education. So you have to take more and more and more PhD, masters. You have to take a whole lot more courses to learn more information. So. It's just a guide to give anybody. And then even if you don't ride a motorcycle, I think people would be interested in reading it because it just shows if you want to get really good at anything, there's a way to do that, a path to do that. And it's very limited. Most people don't do that. Most people are unwilling to put in the work to get good at anything, no matter what it is. And I tell people that so often. If you do, if you play piano 10 minutes a day, you're going to be really damn good in a month. But people right. are just unwilling to put in the time. I don't care what it is. Working out, do 10 push-ups a day or go walk five minutes a day but anything is just people are really lacking the drive to do whatever it takes to get really good at anything and that's the only difference between me and anybody else riding a motorcycle i just put in way more time practicing and that's very different than riding i yes like right. focused actual practice and really concentrating on what i'm doing i'm not doing u-turns in the parking lot thinking about what i want to have for dinner i'm purely focused on right. that u-turn at the exact moment and i've just spent so many hours doing that is how I'm able to do what I could do on virtually any bike. Yeah, that's cool. And I know one one of the one of the sayings you have, and correct me if I get this wrong, right? But it's I believe practice makes permanent, and perfect perfect yeah perfect practice makes no. But was it yeah? No, you yeah, got it right. Okay, right. Per, yeah, per, sorry. Perfect practice makes perfect. Right. Right. So I really I really like that concept because you've made the point that you know you could have someone who's ridden for twenty thirty years on a motorcycle. It doesn't mean necessarily they're a good motorcyclist that they've got good skills. They could, they might, but it's not like it, it's not amount of time and amount of miles that makes the good motorcyclist. It's knowing the right techniques and practicing them 
and getting good at them. That's what makes the good motorcyclist. Yes, that's 100% correct. I've, I've known people that have been riding forever, a long, long time, way longer than me, longer than I've been alive. And it's not just based on what I see people, just normal riders about that. I mean, I'm a motorcycle instructor. I've been teaching since 2014. So the intermediate level courses, people bring their own motorcycles. And in the military, they had to take the course just to allow be allowed to keep on riding on base. Right. So when they come to the intermediate riding clinic, total control intermediate riding clinic, when I was teaching it six days a week on Coronado here in San Diego, they've been riding, you know, 20, 30 years and they just have to do the course. They're forced to take the course because they want to continue to ride on base. So mm-hmm. they think it's just a check in the box. It's going to be easy. And they end up failing because there's a written test and a riding performance test yeah. and they cannot believe they failed. I've been riding 30 years and it, and I just learned it does not mean one bit to me how long you've been riding, what kind of bike you have, if you have a million miles, or if you're an instructor or not. Mm-hmm. I know people that teach exactly everything I teach, and they still can barely, they're barely good enough to do the demonstrations, and they can barely ride a bike, and they should not be instructors. Right. I know people that do that, and I know people that use the title as instructor to give them some kind of authority, but they still don't really know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, There's different levels. Like I, I use the analogy of, there's a lot of people that I see making videos or they're instructors. They're just playing on the waves of the ocean of technique. They're just surfing on the waves of the technique, right? But mm-hmm. there's so much, how deep is an ocean? There's so much depth to the technique. And most people are really, really high on the top. And they don't understand the deeper level of why this is important or how to actually do this or what the common causes. They're like focusing on the symptoms and not the actual issue. Yeah, right. right, right, right. I'm saying so. Um, so none of that now when people email me like, oh, I've been writing 20 years and this and I, that's just I don't even read it anymore. I'm just like that. It, you might as well say the sky is blue. It's just just as irrelevant to me to tell me how many miles you have or how long you've been riding. Let's see what you could actually do on this bike. Right. People people came and do white belt and they've been riding for 20 years. I'm like, sure. It means nothing how long you've been riding. Like, right. let's see what you could do. What kind of knowledge do you actually have? Right. And that, that that's why, like. And not just motorcycling, but that's a good example. Lots of things in life. Like I, I just judge people by what they do. What can they do? Not what can they say? Or you know, what what do they talk about? Right? Because a lot exactly. of people are real good at promoting themselves. <laughs> you know, it's this, right. that, and I'm this and that. It's like, okay, show me. Now, which, which by the way, it gets me to this. I don't know if you could see it, but I'm wearing I'm wearing my shop oh, yeah, practice t shirt. Right. So yeah. th- that's another thing I like. You know, about one of the points that you make, and it's kind of interesting because I have a friend who I've gotten to know through listening to some other podcasts. Who he has a favorite saying, which is "Shut up and ride." And he he actually started a new motorcycle podcast called "Shut Up and Ride." motorcycle podcast and i always like that phrase because it's like okay you know so good so we talked about your motorcycle and we talked about how much chrome it has and we talked about all these other things and where you've been but at some point it's like shut up and ride like let's let's ride the motorcycles but i like shut up and practice even better because it goes like one more step which is you know okay cool you have the fancy motorcycle it can do 180 miles an hour on the track and you got all this stuff but what can you do? So let's show me. Let's shut up and practice, right? Right. So, no, exactly. So that, right. That's why I went for this T-shirt. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate the support uh, getting T-shirt, and that's um those T-shirts are um one of my ba- my first ones I first started making. Now I have a T-shirt where I guess it's my official T-shirt. There okay. We are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You just froze for a minute. So okay. so you so it's fine. That's no problem. So you were just saying that you so that, the, the one I'm wearing like the shut up and. Shut up and practice T-shirt was your first, like one of your first ones, I guess. 
Yes, and now I have my official T-shirt where it's actually my Moto Jitsu logo in the front, and then the same patch I have on the back of my vest is on the back of the T-shirt, and that's like oh, my, cool. that's like my ultimate. That's the T-shirt. That's like my official real T-shirt. That the shirt that you're wearing, I just just made it up really quick, and I don't know what you have on the back. If there is anything, MotoJitsu.com. I, I think it says MotoJitsu.com. Yeah. yeah. So I just I was just thinking of shirts, and you know, I created the account. And I was like, ooh, I could do a bunch of shirts and just experimenting with it all, but finally got to the point where my actual, because I trademarked Moto Jitsu, like the color, the font, the size, it's actually cool. registered. Cool. So cool. I, cool. I went through that whole process to get it all done and made it an LLC. So that actual right. logo, my official logo is um, is on a t-shirt that's now. That's great. like my main one. Yeah, that's good. Cool. All right, well, I got one of the original ones. So when I meet you in person one day, I'll get you to autograph it or something. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> a, and that, man, you want to talk about weird I show up, I do practice sessions twice a week here in San Diego and uh, people show up with their book or their t-shirt and they're like, Hey, can I have an autograph? And I wouldn't, I never thought in my life anybody would walk up to me and say that to me. So every time people do, I'm like, yeah, you want me to sign the book? I mean, I can sign the book and they're like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. It's even if I, if I was the only one who bought my book, just having something that I know I created published it made it an llc i could you find on amazon right now and i bought it and i looked at it and i like i created this i made the pictures you know i I made this content that alone was already perfectly satisfying if no one else bought it but me Mm -hmm. it's just my sense of accomplishment like i I made it this yeah um it's just another big thing that happened because whenever i tell people my story because i used to drive around for uber for fun Mm -hmm. and people would be like well what do you do or do this full time and um, at the time i was like no I'm i'm a student I just dri- like driving just extra money for fun. I'm like, right. what, are you, what are you studying? Oh, I'm on my second master's. You're what? Well, what do you do for, is that all day? I was like, no, it's at night, but I'm a motorcycle instructor. And they're like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, I got, I got out of the Marines after 11 years. They're like, hold on, how old are you? And I tell them I'm 33 you know, at the time. And yeah. they're like, how do you get all this crap done when you're in your soul? So it's just a um, self-published author. I have a second book coming out this year. So it's just a, I can't just stop. I always have to be working and doing something. I just, there's so much things I would like to, do it's a lot of fun to keep on that's awesome i mean i i've experienced a little taste of it right so i started this podcast about three months ago um i've hardly created the amount of content that you have but i tell you my my mind's going all the time like i'm on the train i'm sitting at work whatever it's like i'm making notes i could do this on an episode i could talk to this person you know maybe this person will do an interview it's 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 a lot of fun and it is like you said very rewarding i mean i haven't gotten up to the point i may do it eventually setting up like a patreon account or something like that but right now like all this is out of my pocket you know i don't have anyone supporting me but it's just a blast i just enjoy you know doing it so much and it's interesting like the doors that it opens up Right. Like, I don't think you and I'd be talking if I didn't have the podcast and following you on YouTube and and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. But that actually, it kind of gets me to a question I was going to ask later on in the interview, but I think it kind of applies now with, with what you're saying and like the success that you're having now with, you know, with the YouTube channel and with your book. And that is like, you're familiar with Kid Rock? the, the rock, yeah. star, rock performer, right? So this is many years ago. I had seen an interview with him and I forget who did the interview, but the point is the interviewer said to him something like, so, yeah, so Kid Rock, like, what's it like to be an overnight success? And Kid Rock just got this like funny look on his face and he's like, he's like, dude, I've been working at this for 20 years. He's hmm. like, let, let me tell you 
like what I've had to do to become an, you know, quote unquote overnight success. And he went through the whole thing of, you know, he started in bands in high school and this and that and dive bars and did this and got turned down over here and that didn't go so good. And someone stole this music. It was like a really fascinating story. So I, I kind of was thinking the same thing, like in regards to you, like you have a lot of background that's kind of led you to this point, right? So it, it's right. not like yesterday you started a YouTube channel and now now all of a sudden you have 60,000 subscribers, right? It's like you've had a, had a lot of buildup, you know, I guess probably starting with your what you did, your, your career in the Marines, right? And then becoming a, you know, a, a motorcycle you know, safety instructor, right? Doing instructional courses and that's kind of led you to where you are now. So it's probably been, what, 15-year journey? Yes, and um, a lot of people um, said things like, I'm stupid or I'm a fool for getting out after 11 years because only, quote, only nine more years and I could have retired. But mm. um, people that know me know I will not waste one day of my life doing anything I don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. So once I stopped enjoying the Marines, I decided I got out. If, I, if for some reason tomorrow I don't like making videos anymore, I'll simply stop and I'll do whatever because my philosophy in life because of, my background and being deployed to Iraq for 26 months and everything else is um, every day I wake up is just another opportunity to do something. So if every night I, I tell Lila, my girlfriend, if I don't wake up tomorrow and I just die in my sleep, I'm perfectly happy with every decision I made. Happy man, yeah. I'm totally satisfied with every conversation I had. And I'm not so looking forward till tomorrow that I'll, I feel like I'll be disappointed if it doesn't come. Right mm -hmm. now I'm alive and I'm able to do what I want to do. So I'm it's just extremely happy to be alive and do what I'm doing. So because of all that stuff, but like you said about the YouTube channel, so I, before I even made one video, once I became an instructor, the way I am for whatever reason, well, even before that in the Marines, I, I've been in some kind of instructor teaching somebody something for a long time. So in the Marines, when I first started, I was a physical fitness helping people work out. And then I became a drill instructor and I went through formal training of how to do PowerPoint, teaching 90, 19 year olds, to mm -hmm. be Marines for three okay. months. I was a drill instructor. And then I was a martial arts instructor. And then I was a swimming instructor. Then I got out of the Marines. And now I'm a staff sergeant in charge of you know a whole bunch of Marines and giving presentations. And all. so I've been teaching somebody something for a long damn time. So once I got out and I became a motorcycle instructor, I just loved riding motorcycles. So the transition to teach it is easy. I could teach anybody anything because I already know really well how to teach. But I just have to learn the new material. So if I started working at McDonald's tomorrow, I guarantee within a month I'd be the damn manager because I would, my, my attitude and drive would go towards whatever it is that I'm interested in. So, but I, before I made one YouTube video, I was just, I was already practicing with people, bringing them to parking lots and showing them what I've learned in the courses I've taken and how to get better. And it eventually got to the point where so many people would ask me the same questions about vision or body position. I was like, well, how can I do this where I'm not explaining nine times mm -hmm. in one day with nine different people, one thing they're asking me. I'll just make a video about it. And then that's how that's how it pretty much started. And like what like when people would ask me later on, hey, last week we went to the parking lot and you had me doing this cool practice thing. What was that? And I try right. to draw it and I'm like, um, you know, do this. But it wouldn't really work out too well. And I would just meet up at the beginning. And then eventually got to the point where I'm like, well, there's gotta be a way I could just show people what to do and how to do these things. So then that's when I came up with Moto Jitsu and the different belts and I wrote all that stuff down and then I got, I, I created it and thought of it and there it is. It's on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, so it, it only took yeah, however many years to get there. But it, but it sounds like it was all in, enjoyable. Like every bit of it. It was yeah, just I, one, you know, this to this. Just one thing led to the other. You've enjoyed the whole, whatever the the, 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 whole, the whole trip process that's gotten is, you here. 
Yeah, and just like you said about the Kid Rock story, I've already had such a huge, solid foundation in teaching and comfortable speaking in front of people and body language, um, being a drone sector and being a Marine and all these formal trains I went through that, like I said, I, people, I, none of my videos, not one video, have I ever started the video and started talking, hi, everyone, fast today here, and this is how you do whatever, that I messed up and I went back and deleted that video and restarted it. Because I just know what the hell I'm doing and I know what I want to say. And sometimes I look at the back at the video and I'm like, oh, I could have mentioned more. But yeah. already my videos are usually kind of longer than most people's because most people don't have the in-depth information. So I want to give people the why and the how and the in-depth analysis or whatever about how to do a specific thing. So it just gives people more information than what they ask. And I think that's way better than giving just a little bit of information because a lot of my videos could be two minutes long. But right. people don't want that. People, I, I, I feel if if I was seeking out knowledge and looking for a YouTube channel, I'd want someone that really knows what they're doing and that could give me the reasons why and mm -hmm. way, way in depth information. If I don't want to have that in depth information, then great. But I would rather have it than not have it. So that's sure. why I, I do the videos the way I do them. But yeah. um, no, I don't, I don't re, I don't re edit. I don't edit anything. I just upload and that's it and just keep going <laughs> that's good that's awesome so the um the the discipline that you have right and the work ethic that you have is is that something you developed in the marines or did you kind of was that kind of part of your personality beforehand um looking back in so it was definitely with the marines the marines was the big because i didn't have um not much structure growing up before the Marines, nobody really told me what to do. I could do whatever I want to do. But once I joined the Marines, I went through boot camp with absolute structure. I mean, we can't even look mm -hmm. or move our head without a drill instructor telling us to do so or screaming at us. So I loved boot camp. I wish Marine, I thought the whole entire Marine Corps was as strict as boot camp, and I was craving that. I needed the discipline, the guidance, mm -hmm. the structure. I absolutely loved it. And I was actually extremely disappointed in the Marines when I left boot camp because then I realized these other sergeants. Because I looked, because all my drill instructors were sergeants, so I went. I left boot camp and I went to my follow-on training, and they were sergeants as well. So I looked at them as the same. I like guess. they were supposed to be sergeants, like my drill instructors were, but they're right. lazy, out of shape, uniforms uh. look like crap. I'm like, this is not the Marine Corps. Why aren't you guys as good as my drill instructors were? Yeah. And it drove me absolutely nuts. But um, the Marine Corps is really what did it. Just learning, and just like I, and I was like, go through the Marines and do all this stuff, but then. I started seeing so many Marines come through just graduating boot camp, and they didn't have any discipline. They didn't care about anything. And I was like, well, I want to go be a drill instructor and fix it. I want to ah, go make my impact. Nice. So I wanted to be a drill instructor to help people be better than what they what I saw, and that was my main goal for going there. And my, So I learned a really good bun a bunch of information in my first four years, but when I went to be a drill instructor, that's when I was exposed to the best of the best Marines because there's mm. at the time there was 200,000 Marines. There's only 500 drill instructors on east coast and then 500 on the west coast okay so i went through there then i was really exposed to a like back to boot camp which it was but now i'm exposed to the drill instructors who are everybody's good mm -hmm. like it's not you're in the normal marine corps where you might be right. a highlight out of 50 people you're like really good you got to be a drill instructor everybody's the good guy out of their unit okay. so you have the best of the best yep so that was really really fun getting mentored by these people with so much more experience and just knowledge and life experience and that was really really awesome and then i got to be a drill instructor instructor. So I was selected to teach Marines how to be drill instructors. And out of the 500 drill instructors on base, there's only eight drill instructor instructors. Wow. So it's now it's like the 1% of the 1%. And that, mm -hmm. then I really got exposed to people that are high, high, high level mentor leadership, way higher than me. 
And those guys have been my mentors ever since I first was introduced to them. Even now they still are. And then that's when I learned all that stuff. And then finally with all my knowledge, I went back and re-enlisted one more time to share my knowledge with a bunch, with a bunch of other, the new Marines after I left being a drone instructor. But the, the discipline and work ethic is I thought another thing I didn't realize while I was a drill instructor, even as a drill instructor, like talking to the recruits, you cannot teach someone work ethic. And I was mm-hmm. disappointed that I realized that was true because I could threaten you with push-ups sure, and punishment sure. and whatever I'll take away, give you a phone call or take away or whatever. But if you are driven and I, I made a video about the difference between motivation and driven, but if you are, if you are motivated, I can motivate you to go work out, go practice. Mm-hmm. But if a month later and you're tired, you're not going to go. But if you're driven, you don't need a workout buddy. You don't need nothing. You don't you don't care if someone goes with you. You don't care if it's raining. You right. don't care if you're sick. You don't care if you're... If you are driven to do something, you you're will do nothing it. that will stop you. Yeah. And I realized that cannot be taught through a lot of other situations, genetic and how your upbringing and friends and family and who your yeah. social circle was. But it could be kind of bred into you a little bit if you're surrounded with positive people like that. But And the ironic thing was I wasn't. I learned from mostly my parents of what not to do. Mm, it was yeah. the opposite example. I grew up extremely poor um, on my own since I was 13. So I learned I will never be like this. I will never be yeah. poor. I will never be not a success. Neither one of my parents ever even graduated high school. I was the only one to graduate high school, went to college, everything. So that all came from the Marines. I think I, and people think it was a waste of time that I had spent 11 years in the Marines, but then got out. I'm like, my 11 years in the Marines gave me the discipline, the teaching ability, the communication skills, and then all my education on top of that. I have a bachelor's in psychology, master's in human behavior, and a second master's in forensic science, just for fun, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But all of that life experience, deployment, Marines, mentorship, and education in psychology, um, I use every bit of my education every single day. It's not like I have a degree in you know, typewriter maintenance where only if I'm working on a typewriter is actually useful. Right. All my degrees in psychology, and because I wanted to learn about people and why they do what they do and why I do what I do, yeah. so nothing was a waste. So when people say you wasted eleven years, why don't you retire and then you just waste all that time? I'm like, it allows me to be successful in what I'm doing right now to make two books in one year mm-hmm. and have all this drive and dedication to replying back to people and everything I do just hundred percent directly because of the military. And some people don't have the experience because they grew up with discipline and structure, but I didn't have any of it. Right. So it was such a shock. And a difference, but I actually I craved the discipline and the knowledge of what sure, boot camp sure. gave to me. But now that I left, that I mean, just like you could say, you could, no one else can say I am a army, I am a navy. You could only say I am a marine because it's an absolute mentality shift. And any other branch of the military, any branch, you could transfer from one to the other and not go through boot camp. But if anybody tries to be a marine, you have to go through boot camp. I don't care if you're a 15 year army staff sergeant. You oh, have wow. to. I didn't know that. Okay. To become a Marine. Marine, right. And that's the only one that you actually have to do that. And the Navy SEALs, but that's kind of like an elite thing. But um, Right. And uh, I, we really, really took pride in that. And we told people, people should know you're different than other people because of your mentality as a Marine. You try to be the mm-hmm. best at everything you do. You try to lead by example in everything, in every way, shape, or form. So just by you wearing full gear and you taking a bunch of courses, just your example alone will be inspiring to other people because people will follow your footsteps more easily watch, than your yeah. advice. Yeah, that's if true. We're in a, if we're in a frozen lake and I say, go that way, it's really it's really solid. But I walk this way, you're following me. <laughs> so no matter what I say to you, you will look at my example and you will do what I do. And that's the most important thing of what I try to do in my videos. I, you will never, ever catch me riding without my all my gear on. Mm-hmm. And you'll never hear me 
waste my money on something that's not beneficial or whatever, but it, it, right. it really is. And if people see me out riding, like, oh man, you're with the passenger and you guys are all fully geared up. Just like you said in your videos. I'm like, what do you think? I'm lying? Right. It's like, like I'm a hypocrite. A- acting. Of course, like, <laughs> right. Of course. Right. No, I just do that for the videos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I tell people that. Like, I would be, if I encourage all these people to take the courses, like in the back of my book, all those courses I've taken, and I keep on taking more and more. But what right do I have to encourage someone to take a course if I'm not even willing to go through it? Sure. You don't. You don't. We should wear gear. Do you wear full gear? Then don't, then why are you you giving your advice to somebody else? You do it. Just right. you do it first, and then you'll have the opportunity. Come to me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. you you can't, it's the biggest problem in the military. Do as I say, but not as I do. Mm-hmm. That's lead by example. Do no, totally. you behave how you want others to behave. That is yeah. the biggest thing I try to live my life by, no. in every way possible. So yeah, that's awesome. So did did you go to the Marines from high school, or did you do something I, in between? After I graduated um, high school in 2002, I was 17. I waited a year because I was afraid because I thought the Marines were crazy and they run up and down hills with 100 pound packs and blah, blah, right. blah. Right. So I was going to join for a long, for still like another eight or nine months out. But then I got a call from my recruiter saying, hey, we have an opening in two weeks. Do you want to go? I was like, okay, let's go. Nice. So I, I actually joined. I had no idea up until I got to boot camp. But I joined the Marines on the Marine Corps birthday, November 10th, 2003. Oh, wow. This is the Marine Corps birthday, November 10th. 1775. So I joined that day and then I was spent, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, everything in boot camp and then follow on training, blah, blah, blah. My first duty station was in North Carolina. My first four years in the Marines, I spent 26 months in Iraq Mm -hmm. and then I re-enlisted to be a drill instructor while I was deployed in Iraq. And then I drove my car from North Carolina to San Diego to be a drill instructor. Not one thought of what if I can't pass drone sector school because mm-hmm. it's very difficult sure, because sure. I just had it in my mind. I'm going to be a drone sector because I want to help people not be so crappy Marines because they're coming to me as a corporal, as a sergeant, like these guys don't even have any discipline. They're calling me, they're saying yeah to me or, you know, they're not saying good morning staff sergeant or whatever, you know? Right. So like, man, what's wrong with the discipline? Long ago, be a drone sector and fix this. That's so cool. I, so you, you had a purpose and it's just like, psh, that's what you went to yeah. do. If yeah. there, if there is, if Lila just took off, but so when I first started writing my book, if I have anything, I want to do a goal. It gets, it gets to the point where I was writing my book. Um, and I was writing the book and it would get to the point where Lila would just have to put food in front of me because I wouldn't even <laughs> mm-hmm. eat. I would forget to eat. I would sit here 12, 13 hours replying back or typing. And I, I just to get so hyper-focused that I just, nothing matters. I don't care about sleep. I don't care about a party. I don't care about nothing, a TV show. I haven't watched football or TV in forever. I don't, I don't nothing matters. If I'm in doing something, I'm engaged. That is my focus. And it is amazing what you can get done if you really damn put the time to do it. Like I tell people, look, I could clean my entire apartment in one hour. You could do a lot of crap in one hour. You could do a whole, if you actually... Shut up, and, just shut up and <laughs> shut up and study. Right, shut up, and right? Read. Just, Good. just nonstop. Do something, and I had Lila do it one time. I was like, "Sit down." I was like, "One hour. I'm gonna clean this whole place, including mopping the floor, vacuuming everything, wipe down everything." And within, I think it was like 58 minutes or 57 minutes, I cleaned the whole damn place. But you could do it. But people are just unwilling. They're just lazy. They don't have. Or I started telling people because people ask me all the time, "What's the easy way to start practicing getting better at discipline?" The moment you think of anything to do, there should not be another thought before you do it. So if you think I need to take out the trash, at that moment you should be getting up to take out the trash. I have to have to do the dishes right there. Immediately do it. 
because people do what they don't want to do. Self-discipline is doing what you don't want to do in order to do what you want to do. So I want to watch a cool movie, but I don't want to do the dishes. But do, but so people procrastinate, but then you can't really fully enjoy the movie because you're just thinking thinking about the dishes. Yep. Do the dishes and then you'll actually have more time later. Like in school, I went to school, um, all my schools during the week, either one night a week or two nights a week. But I had all my homework always done, chapters, tests, whatever I got to do by Friday night. And I would stay up, I don't care until midnight on Friday night. But I said on Friday, I will get all my homework done, upload all my papers, whatever I need to do, because I'm going to have the weekend off and not wait till Sunday night, midnight to upload the assignments because I'll just be stressing out all weekend. Mm-hmm. I can't enjoy my weekend. So I was like, every single Friday, I don't care how late I have to stay up, my, all my stuff will be done. But just to have my weekend free, like really free, right? Like ment- mentally not worrying about it as well. That's a big, big thing. Yeah. But it's, it's astonishing how much time people you could have if you just put your mind to whatever it is. Sure. And that's a really good point too, right? Is it's like, you know, that the thing of work hard, play hard, you know, it, it's like, what does it matter if you have a whole weekend free? If like you said, you're not going to enjoy it because you feel guilty that you didn't do this or whatever it happens to be. It's like work and handle all the things you got to handle. And then the two or four hours you have, it's like, like I don't get to ride that often. Right. But when I ride, it's like, it's awesome because I know, okay, I've handled all the things I got to handle. Right. Right. I'm not, I'm not riding thinking about whatever I got to finish some project at work or I got to get the podcast out or whatever, you know, whatever it happens to be. So no, that's exactly right. It's because most people, well, there's a lot of people, I don't know about most, but a lot of people, spend too much time worrying about the past or thinking about the future. Yep. And they're not yep. now, right Instead now, what am I now. doing right, right this moment? Right. They have their to-do right. lists, nonstop to-do lists going on in their brain while they're trying to do white belt and they realize why they ain't having any progress. Well, mm-hmm. because you're doing white belt, you're not actually doing white belt. You're thinking right. about... You're thinking about the laundry or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And I, I tell people, like Lila, when she was practicing blue belt, she would you know, get frustrated. I'm like, well, I can't jump in your mind or your body, but you have to almost step out of yourself and look back at yourself and do be Watch. very, very self-critical. Where Watch is my attention? Where's my weight actually? Like you're trying to counterbalance and do a U-turn. Are you actually putting your weight on the outside foot peg or are you just sitting on your butt like you're not even trying? Like really think about that. So when people wonder, like if I just do U-turns, dragging knee U-turns, I could just do that for hours. <laughs> Nothing but dragging knee U-turns. Like how are you not bored? Every single moment I'm thinking about how to be more efficient. Where can I be more relaxed? Where are my eyes? Why am I looking right. down? Where's my outside leg doing? Can I take it off? Can I, is there tension there? Can I rotate more? It's a constant, how can I make this the most efficient way possible to do this with the least amount of energy? That's why I take my hands and feet off when I do a lot of things, just to prove to myself that you can be so relaxed, and this is so effortless, if you just put in the time to practice it. Mm-hmm. But I can't give that to people. I could try to encourage them to encourage, look at themselves, right. but... Um, people could spend all day doing white ball and not have any progress. Or you could be like one of my buddies, Chris. I spend you know a half hour with them doing one thing, and he gets it because he's right now focused and he's really doing only thinking about his thing. And he's he's only been riding not even a year yet, and uh, he's getting really damn good really fast. He could do black belt in almost everything except for the wow. knee down stuff because wow. I haven't taught them yet that yet. Right. But um, he's really good really fast because he really he does exactly what um I'm encouraging them to do. Look within, push yourself outside of your comfort, and try. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. And you make very difficult things to do. You practice in the parking lot, extremely hard things. So now you go ride on the street. You're riding on the highway. You have to get off on one turn on an exit. You know how easy one turn is after you just got right. done practicing 14 turns in a row <laughs> in the parking, parking lot. lot. Very sure. difficult stuff. And you're thinking about you might drop your bike and it's hard and you're sweating. And 
it's so easy. Street riding is the easiest thing for me now because I practice so much crazier stuff in the parking lot. <laughs> right, right, right. That it becomes easy instead of a challenge. Exactly. Okay, and so, it's yeah. fun. It's it's fun. It's Autonomous. fun. And, just, and there's no worry whatsoever. I, I was right. I was teaching up in San Marcos. It's like an hour north. And it started pouring down rain at the end of the day. And my buddy and I, we rode home. Adam, he's a black belt in Moto Jitsu. <laughs> we started riding home. And I was like, you know what's really crazy? We're just talking and joking, even though it's pouring rain right now. And neither one of us, not even a thought about what the weather is, the condition, the traction. We, 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 we spent so much time in the dirt. And we practiced yep. so much. We know 100% what we need to do. And there's not even a thought to that it's raining. Right. I almost just... don't even notice it. Like, I don't care that it's raining. It doesn't mean... One, I do not do anything different except for just slow down a little bit. But I know the bike's going to wiggle. I know what to look out for. And there's no conscious thought to what I have to do in the rain. But most people would freak out is pouring down rain. Right. And, and they just would, oh, I don't want, I'm not going to go fast. I'm not going to go, but I'm, I'm like, I, I purposely hit par snakes. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I know <laughs> right, what the bike right, will do. Right, I just, right. it's fun. It's absolutely fun. But yeah. um, so I, I, that's what I really want everybody to do to get to the point of proficiency where nothing bothers you. You could go, ride through dirt mm-hmm. you could take your sport bike down a dirt trail you could run right. you could be pouring rain you could take a corner you could go to a road you've never been before and be as just as confident as a road you memorize because you understand trail braking or whatever it is sure. but just be so confident and so proficient that nothing bothers you don't ever be surprised on the bike and you can get to that level of mastery because myself and i've seen other people do it and right. it, it absolutely is possible and, and uh, that's what's really cool about your youtube channel is it's right there you know, it, so right, so someone who's like, "Well, I don't know. Is it possible? Can it be done?" It's like, "Well, just check it out." Like, <laughs> of course it is. Yep. You know, I, like I love your thing. So the, the last belt is cor- coral belt, right? Red belt is the highest. Red belt is the highest, right? So okay, so that's the one where, right? So you need to be able to do all of the exercises, right? Which basically consists of, right? So like emergency stopping, right? Short mm-hmm. short distance stopping, like a weave cone weave. Right. And then basically doing a circle kind of thing, right? Yes. Of a, cer- of a certain radius, right? And, right, so it's got to be, if I remember correctly, right, so it's one hand on the handlebars, knee down with a passenger. For red belt, yes. That's red belt. So okay. it's knee down with a passenger, one hand yeah. is the only yeah. drill for red belt. But before that coral belt, once you've gotten to black belt, like my buddy Dave and Adam, they're actual black belts in Moto Jitsu. They're instructors mm-hmm. just like me, and they're really damn good. So they're now practicing coral belt because coral belt, you have to be able to get your knee down on any motorcycle okay. and you have to be able to do white through black with a passenger. Right. <laughs> so it, it, when I tell people that they're like, oh my God, this is insane. And then you actually have to be able to set the sag and rebound on a bike. Like I have to physically watch you be able Seeing to do, them that. do it. Okay. Black belt, you have to be able to explain exactly how to do it. Coral belt, you actually have to have do to it. Do but these it. guys already know how to do it. They're already instructors. They're higher level certified than me, but Still, they're practicing with coral belt, and um, they're like, "Man, this is." But it's it's if it's too hard, everybody's a white belt. If it's too easy, everybody's a black belt, and it's pointless. But I think I made it just difficult enough to keep people motivated to try and like, "Man, I got white belt," and they're super excited. I just did the parking space, so I think it's the right amount of difficult to keep people motivated to keep practicing because it's. And so many people say, "Man, that stuff's easy in a parking lot." And I just reply back to him, please send me the let link. Let me see your video. Black belt. <laughs> if it's so easy, I would love for you to send me a video of you doing it. Otherwise, I don't care. Yeah. Do it. Show yeah. me. Right. Show me what you could do. That's right. what I say to people. Show me. Send me the link, please. Shut up and show me. <laughs> I, I, this one guy going back and forth is like, oh, that's a waste of time. I'm a track rider. I used to be a racer, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I will send you, I'll PayPal you $200 right now. 
if you send me an unedited version, nonstop video of you doing black belt right now in Moto Jitsu, go watch the demo of me doing it. Right. Nonstop so. video, show me doing black belt. I will PayPal you $200 right now. Guess what he responded? I don't know. Nothing. Because it was two months ago and he didn't respond back to me yet. So, yeah. <laughs> people, people, just like you said earlier, people talk, but do it. Let's do it. Sh- right. Stop talking. Let's see what you could actually do on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, one of the points that you make also that I like is about, you know, unless you can do those drills with a passenger on the bike, don't take a passenger. Oh my gosh. Yes. Out on the road. Now I, I admit, you know, I, I take my girlfriend, Jean on the back of the bike. I can't do those drills yet, but, but it is, it is a really good point. And, and I think it's something like one of the things that drives me nuts is not just the skill of the rider, but like when you see guys fully suited up, like full gear on a bike and then the girlfriend or whatever is on the back and like shorts, short shorts and a tank top or something like yeah. that. That's just not, this it's is not ridiculous. Cool. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's a great example of what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but so it's mainly like, I understand not everybody's actually gonna, but it's just, it's a, it's it's more of a thought experiment, and what I love about Motojitsu is I could talk about it and relate it to so many things. So I tell people, you want to ride with the passenger, be able to do blue belt with the passenger. Otherwise, I don't think you have enough overall skill skill to handle another person's life. Mm-hmm. You can't do this at twenty miles apart in a parking lot. Why in the world would you go seventy down the highway? You can't even right. do this. All right, so I so it's just a thought experiment to get people like, man, you know that's a good point. Or I say to people. If you don't know enough about the suspension to adjust the rear preload to compensate for the weight of the passenger, mm-hmm. and you don't even know anything about suspension or sag or even anything what I said, it doesn't even make sense to you, don't take a passenger. Right. So there, there's a variety of ways I try to get people, because if it doesn't make sense to them, I got to think of another way to get through them. To communicate. Like, yeah. talk about the suspension or I talk about being able to do blue belt with the passenger. But one of those things will get through and they realize, hmm, you know what, maybe I shouldn't take a passenger. Or even during the basic course. Everybody passed. This last time I taught, all 12 students passed, which is actually very, um, it, it was the first course in a long time that I remember that everybody passed. So I told people, look, because someone asked me right after everybody passed, like, everybody passed. Everybody's clapping. Congratulations. Right. And I say, uh, this guy said, when can I take a passenger? I said, okay, this is, I'm so glad you asked the question. I'm going to set up the drill again, the course you guys did right now. So first of all, no one got a perfect score. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind you're only in second gear going no more than 20 no one got a perfect score so right. first get a perfect score in this right then i'm going to set up every drill again for the eval on the bike and i'm going to sit on the back of your bike if you can't pass this basic stuff in the parking lot way easier than white belt with me on the back of your bike how in the world are you going to take a passenger yeah. and people really i could see the light bulb and the gears grinding like man i don't i don't know and i'm like well there you go there's your answer be able to do this stuff so easily you could do it 20 times in a row with the passenger and obviously get a perfect score because it's so beyond your skill. It's so easy. Otherwise, I highly don't recommend doing it. And if you ever do, they you both better be geared up. Yes. You're responsible. Yeah. You're the driver. You are responsible for that person. 100%. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things I was going to mention that that I like about you know what you're doing with Moto Jitsu and whatnot is – you know, I'm a co-host on another podcast, Throttled, and one of the things we talk about on that podcast and other podcasts I listen to is, you know, what what do we do to keep expanding the motorcycle community, right? Because depending on who you listen to and what you read, there's, you know, some people think, well, you know, things are kind of, it's like kind of shrinking a little bit. You know, you look at, people look at Harley Davidson sales numbers, right? And they're 50% of sales in the U.S. And, you know, so Harley's, you know, Harley's numbers are down and, you know, Harley's, 
really only bought by baby boomers and they're all, you know, getting too old to ride and they're not buying all this kind of stuff. Right. So there's all this discussion about how do we get new people into the sport? And that's, you know, one of the reasons I started this podcast because I want to do what I can to, you know, bring new people in and help them learn about it and connect up with the right resources and whatever. But I read an article the other day, which made an interesting point, And that is, okay, yeah, let's do that. Let's try to get new people into the sport. But if we're interested in keeping this activity alive and we want to have lots of people, why don't we put some attention on keeping the existing people in? And so, right, so the thing you run into, right, is the person who they go out, they, they take a course, they buy their first motorcycle, they have some difficulty, whatever. They, they have a close call, they get hurt, whatever it happens to be, they're not enjoying it. And then it's like, okay, well, they're not a motorcyclist anymore. So with stuff like you have, right, there's, there's a resource to send people to like, hey, you're having difficulty, go watch this video. Or you're not quite confident of your skills, well, buy Moto Jitsu, look at this book and see like, where do you fit in there, right? And then there's like kind of an objective way to gauge yourself, right? Because it's not just how good a rider am I, it's like, can I do white belt? You know, can I do, you know, whatever, whatever the sequence is. And can you answer the questions so, associated with each belt, which not I just like, the writing? Which I like also, that it's, it's knowledge. It's not just what can you do, but it's what, what do you know about it. So, yeah, I think, I think that's really cool. And uh, to what you said about um, getting new people to ride. So I found with a lot of people, I mean, can you, you imagine all the comments. I mean, six, seven hours a day, I do nothing but reply to people. It may not be in a row, but total time. Yeah, like, a, sure. like on my iPhone, it says screen time. You know, it says like yeah, how yeah, much like you're how much, on the yep. phone. It, it's just maxed. It's just insane. <laughs> and that's just my phone. If I'm on my computer, then I'm doing all this stuff on my computer. But I realize people watch one video and they're like, I've never seen anybody do that on that type of bike. Or I didn't realize that was possible. You just motivate me. I have now been practicing with my buddies Four, three days a week now because I watched one video two months ago and now I'm a follower, blah, blah. So how do you start a forest fighter? Just the smallest little spark mm-hmm. can ignite something. And I used to give this analogy a lot in the Marines, and somebody told this to me, one of my really good mentors. So say everybody's a candle. Every motorcycle rider is a candle, right? And you're the only one that's lit up. Now, if you just tilt and ignite someone else, right. does it take away from your flame? Does it make you any less bright? Absolutely not. But it makes the whole room brighter, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's not just being good, but what example are you setting and what are you doing to help other people? Because if you know everything and you're not sharing it, what's what's the good of just having all the knowledge in your mind? So right. what? Right. That's... Do something. So it, it, it could only, you never know what it could be. The littlest thing you could write or talk to somebody or just mention to somebody, it, that might be the thing that they're needed at that moment that would might motivate them to practice and buy full gear and take every course possible. Who knows what's going to happen? But there's so many missed opportunities that people just don't take that one extra tiny little bit of step. I mean, uh, 211 degrees is hot water, but 212 is boiling or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah, know if right, that's right, right, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I got you, you don't know that little, that, little the, thing. The conversion like, point where someone, yeah, the, the light goes on, like you said, and the person's yeah. like, oh, wow, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I see that. I, people come to practice with me and I practice, you know, twice a week for free nobody wants to learn anything um last thursday's practice i was teaching everybody trail breaking going through a corner and i posted a minute long video um, on instagram it has like five thousand views just because it, it's extremely exciting to me and for them for them to be comfortable like look how much i could actually use the brakes and lean 
no corner mm-hmm. freaks them out anymore. They could go to a road they've right. never been before and ride better than a lot of people because they understand the brakes and what they can actually do. And it's so incredibly fulfilling knowing, like, I see the light bulbs coming on and they're so excited. Like, man, I you see them like, fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's so exciting and I just absolutely love it. And then they're going to go talk to somebody else. I'm like, look what I just learned. Or they're going to go, because I tell people, a lot of people ask me, you know, a lot of my buddies don't care or they don't wear gear. What can I do to motivate them? I said, don't even worry. Just You just get to be really good. Right. Just and focus on getting really good. They will come to copy. you and ask yeah. questions about how you were able to do what you can do. That's what people did to me. I didn't say anything about being an instructor. I don't go walk around lecturing people. Nothing. But people, we go for a ride, and I'm on that big old huge GS adventure bike, and they're on an R1, and they can't keep up with me. Right. And they can't do anything. Right. They're like, so we get to the end, and they walk up to me like, wow, dude, you're really going on that GS, aren't you? I'm like, you know, take a bunch of courses and practice. I'm like, oh, what course have you taken? Well, I've been through 16 or I've been through 18 or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, wow, yeah. really? What's available? And it's just the doors open. And then I just flood them with information. I give them the resources. And not just saying, oh, there's courses. You should take them, being all arrogant. No, no. Get down a piece of paper. Write down my cell phone number. Write down these email addresses. These are the courses I've been through. And this is where they are. And this is how much they are. And by the way, if you want to go, email me. I'll go with you. Yeah. Next month, I'm going to SoCal Supermoto for a sixth time, and I already have five people signed up, and I'm going with them just because they're going, and I'm going to go back there and go through it again myself because it's just absolutely fun, and to support those guys doing it. So go, do that extra above and beyond, and that was – people will remember how you feel, how you made them feel, not what you say or anything, but what right. did this guy do? Do I actually Experience. feel like I'm supported? Does he actually care that I'm trying – that I'm, he's, he cares about me dying on a motorcycle? Because that's my, own, that's my only purpose of doing any of this crap. Facebook, YouTube, book, or anything. Just inspire people to wear gear, take courses, and practice to help reduce the crashes on the public roads. That is my one and only vision. And almost everything I do, 99.9%, is directed in one way or another towards that one vision. Because it's not, it's, not um, it's not a goal. A goal is personal. I could have a goal to be 100,000 subscribers or become a millionaire. But right. that's, that's just me. A vision is all-inclusive. Yeah. A vision is everybody. My vision is to inspire all riders. So it's a very, very big different outlook because I know YouTube people that email me and say, hey, I, want my, I just started a YouTube channel. I have 400 subscribers. You know, I, I want to get to be a million subscribers and I want to make a lot of money. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I have no idea how to do that. But my vision is never me. It's how good can I, can I make a difference in people's lives and hopefully save someone's life. And then just the content, if you really know what you're talking about, the content will spread itself. And uh, people, just like Tesla doesn't pay for advertising, people talk about what they love. So if they sure. see a video of mine and they really enjoy it, they'll share it. I don't even have to tell people to share it. They'll Word of it. mouth is the best Word yeah, of mouth. The best form of advertising, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah, 100% yeah. right. Yep. Yeah, so I just, that's cool. Whatever happens, just whatever goes. But it, it, it's, it's, it is absolutely overwhelming. I couldn't tell you how many times where I'm almost brought to tears 10 times, if not 20 already. The emails I get from people, the comments saying, because of you, I literally did not buy a $600 exhaust. I am taking a course. I just bought riding pants with armor. I didn't even realize armor, like the foam crap that's in there. I didn't even realize that was a thing until I watched your video Mm -hmm. where you showed me the foam crap and then you showed me actually armor. And I cannot believe that. Or I just bought a full face helmet because I didn't realize most crashes impact on your chin. And Mm -hmm. I'm never going to ride without a full face or not just full face now, the basic. Now I got snow. Because yep. I didn't realize the certification. So it, it blows my mind that people 
I get emails and comments about that. It, it's extremely overwhelming knowing there is making such a difference. And and my goal is working like, or my vision is working. People sure. are inspired and it yeah. is absolutely amazing, but I really do get overwhelmed sometimes or I came and I, I, I get an email. I'm like, Lila, look at this guy's email from the Netherlands, Finland, wherever mm-hmm. he's at. Look, look at yeah. he just wrote to me. He's been writing all this time. He discovered my videos and he bought my book. He's a patron. He supported mine, blah, blah, blah. But um, look what he just wrote. And he's talking about, you saved my life. I was doing this. I've been practicing emergency braking and somebody just cut me off yesterday. If it wasn't for your video about how to stop properly and all my practice and motivation to do it, I'm sure I'd be dead. Or I, you know, I, I crashed, but I was wearing full armor that I put on the day before. And I yep. never wore armor before because I thought I was uncomfortable or not looking cool. But now I, I don't even have a bruise on my body because I wore that gear you told me to get. And it's just, it's it's unbelievable. It yeah. truly is. That, that's awesome. That's really cool. And and I like your analogy about like the candle lighting other candles. You know, kind of an example for me a little bit is we were talking before we started recording about David Massa, right? Who's a, who's a friend of mine and you guys yeah. hung, hung out recently. Yeah, he, he was guy. Out, out your way. Yeah, real good guy. Actually, I, I was going to have him on the show yesterday. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. So I'm, I'm hoping to do that just to talk about his uh, Ducati Panigale V4S. I think it'll be yeah. a lot of fun. But he and I actually met last summer. We were doing a course together. Um, it's called a cornering college course where, you know, it's learning some things about body position on the bike and, you know, how to properly lean and, you know, kind, kind of some of the things that you go over. But uh, so he and I have been friends since then on Facebook or whatever. And it was not that long ago, you know, I, I bought a copy of your book and I started, you know, it's a really cool thing. I started promoting it and mentioning it on the Facebook page. And he, then he, I think he bought a copy shortly after, you know, I bought mine and it was the coolest thing. I'm just at work and he just messaged me. Hey, Chris, thanks a lot for like, you know, turning me on to this Moto Jitsu and Fast Eddie guy. This stuff is exactly like what I've been looking for. It aligns with the way I think about motorcycling. And like that just made it just made my day. So it's a little taste, yeah. I think, of, of what you get because it's like, OK, good. So this Facebook page that I'm putting the effort into, it made a difference. You know, someone's. Yeah. Someone's happier. They, they they found something that aligns with what they're doing. They're going to be a better. You know, he's already a good rider, but he's going to be a better rider. Right. You know, and I, I can't wait to start start seeing him doing some of the drills on his Ducati. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, he, he's well, already a track rider. Um, so yeah. I think you know he's he's a pretty good rider. I've never ridden with him, but uh, actually I'm, I'm hoping to get a chance to do that. And it, it's definitely more challenging on a sport bike or like the bike I just bought to do the Moto Jitsu drills. The handlebars only turn you know, four inches for that full lock. So it is right. way more challenging. Definitely. It's actually easier to ride a gold wing, like, a Harley, my Beagle GS and yeah. do Moto Jitsu because the handlebars are like a broomstick yeah. and they turn forever. <laughs> right. But, um, on a sport bike, it, it is very challenging. Like, like I just put frame setters on today and I haven't practiced much of anything because I'm unwilling to really push to practice because I don't have frame sliders yet. Yeah. But, um, now that I have frame sliders, I'm going to go back and I have not like I'm not even a white belt in Moto Jitsu on my new bike, and I okay. will only put the belt that I'm actually able to do on my keychain until I practice. Oh, so that's I have to cool! Practice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, so now that, that's that's the new bike you got, right? The BMW S1000R, right? Yeah, the naked version. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. It was um, unbelievable. So I just I got the first service done. Um, everything's unlocked. The whole bike's unlocked. I switched the rev limiter thing or the light to come on at 11,000 when I need to shift or blah, blah, whatever. But just to ride back from San Diego BMW to my house, there was a stretch of road and I was like, okay, this thing is unlocked. Let me okay. kind of go a little bit. Okay. And it is the fastest bike I've ever rode. I rode, I had a Hayabusa. I had a Seagro uh, 1000. I had a Speed Triple, like 600s compared. This bike is truly, it is, it is just amazing. The BMWs, it, um, it is incredible. It's, it's almost, it doesn't scare me because I'm used to big, powerful bikes, but 
I'm just extremely happy I'm going to the track with it tomorrow yeah. right. <laughs> because right. I, I'll get to see what this thing could actually do. And yeah. then I'll, and if I don't keep going to courses, like at least once a month, do something then I just start going too fast. And I realize I need to go back to the street because I have that adrenaline. Right. Want to, want to go, want to go fast. But yeah. if I don't go to track for a while. I'm like, this is getting stupid. I'm going too fast, too much risk. There's no point. I need to go back to the track. So yeah. I just keep doing that. But the bike is absolutely amazing. So I'm really looking forward to the 22nd when I release the video of the bike because people are going to think I bought the first five seconds. I'm in San Diego BMW. It's there inside the shop. Like, hey guys, I just bought this bike. And then a minute later, I'm outside talking and just revving the engine. Right. Then the next little one minute clip You're is I already track. had the 600 miles. Okay. And the next clip, I, my radiator guard and frame setters came in. And then the next clip, I'm, I'm getting the track ready. And the next clip will be tomorrow. So it's going to be like a progress of three weeks of me getting the bike, going to the track. And then I'll finally talk about it and um, go through all the buttons and show everybody everything. But it's going to be, a, I think, an interesting video to see my actual progress in real time of what I did, when I did mm -hmm. it, how I did it, and mm -hmm. what I did on the bike. Yeah. So um, I'm really cool. looking, it's going to be a fun video to release yeah. to everybody. Did, uh, so did you trade in the GS or you still have it? Yeah. And it was that it was ironically almost two years to the date exactly of when I bought it. So I bought it May third, two thousand sixteen, and I traded in and bought the new bike May first. So nice. it was two years exactly, because the bike when I got the GS, it was exactly what I needed. Because and I this is what I tell people when they go to buy a bike, does it fulfill your goals? So my goal for the bike, I needed a bike because I had a Speed Triple and a seven hundred GS prior, and I okay. traded both of those in for the 1200 GS. Yes. So I wanted to go on-road, off-road, track riding, and I would be teaching everywhere, LA, San Francisco. I'd have to go travel a long damn distance, so I need something comfortable with the technology and cruise control and heated grips and rain, and I had to have the power to carry a whole bunch of crap to go teach and not be, you know, and not have to have a backpack or anything like that. So right. the bike did exactly what I needed it to do for cuz since 2014 for a couple years I was teaching 6-7 days a week. Just a lot of teaching and a lot of riding. But now I'm backing away from teaching where I'm not teaching as much. Like this whole entire month, I only have four shifts. That's it. That's nice. not even enough to pay one bill. Right. So I'm getting away from teaching and I'm doing more and more of my YouTube stuff. So I'm not going off-road anymore. I go to off-road courses, but I don't take my bike anymore. I don't travel long distances no more. None of that stuff. So And now my goal is shifting. I want to get really good at going fast. So the GS with Moto Jitsu and allow me to do a whole bunch of really cool low speed stuff and a lot of fun. But now I want to get to be just a fast rider on the track. So my goal shifted. Now the bike shifts. Just like you wouldn't take a sport bike in the dirt long distance. Right. You're not going to take, you know, a GS most likely to a high speed corner on the track. I've been to the track with it, but it's not built for that. Sure. So my goals shifted and I had a crazy opportunity where like six variables all had to come together at the same exact time. And it just so happened to be that way. I was like, okay, screw it. I'll trade and then get another bike. So nice. Um, and then maybe four years from now, I'll have a maybe. Maybe I'll shift my goals. I want to do just almost all dirt. Maybe I'll get a different bike. Maybe I'll get a Husqvarna, pretty much damn near dirt bike, barely street legal. Right. Maybe I'll get a right. bike like that because my goals will shifted. So, shift. yeah. but as of now, I'm gonna go to the track a lot more and be a, a faster rider on the track. So I got the bike that's upright and powerful and nice. has all the tech, crazy technology, and it's a blast. So, and I'm going to the track tomorrow. So obviously, I. <laughs> I'm doing exactly what my goal is intended to right. do. The right. racetrack, 650 miles into the bike. <laughs> nice, awesome. Yeah, I was watching your video today. I, I commute by train to New York City. I was watching the review you did of the uh, the S1000RR. Oh yeah, so that, hey, was, wow. that was that well, that I was cool. Like, I enjoyed watching that. Yeah, but at, I, that extreme lead foreign body position, I'll never buy another yeah. sport bike again. But that yeah. is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. And I even mentioned like, man, if I don't constantly have to think. 
to squeeze my knees, get my yep. butt back, keep my arms loose. Like my hands start to hurt and they go numb. Yeah. I was like, this is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. But, um, yeah, the upright, the R is just, you know, a straight bar, like a dirt bike or upright. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's the best of everything to me. It's the best position, size of the power and it's retuned for more torque, which is more street riding capability, right. not the extreme high horsepower and 15,000 RPM of the RR, yeah. but it's yeah. retuned for more torque, which makes more sense to what I do anyway. So yeah. it's perfect. Yeah, that's that's a fast bike. I I rode. I don't know. Last year I rode with a couple guys, and two of them had that bike, the S one thousand R. And uh, you know, I, I've got the the Kawasaki Z nine hundred RS, which you know, it's almost a liter bike. It's one hundred ten horsepower, so it's not you know, it's not nothing. But I mean, those guys were smoking me. It was just like straight line with the quick shifter. You know, yeah. sort of like you know, it's like rode with the traffic lights, and it was like light goes green, and they're like bam, 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 and they're like yeah. all the way down to the next light. So, you know. <laughs> Not that yeah, you want to do that stuff on, you know, I, I don't encourage people doing that stuff on the road, but you know, whatever. But uh, yeah. it, was, it was, it was cool to see, like it, it really, it gave me an appreciation for those bikes that they are quick. Yeah, no, it, but when I found out, well, the bike that RR video that I released today, right? Yeah, I released it yeah, today yeah. Um, this morning. That video, well, it's a 2018 and my bike's a 2018. So it's okay. the same technology. I mean, the RR is like really track, like you could really go in depth with the damping and adjust like you're not doing clicks like adjusting like you would on normal elect- mechanical clicking right? but it's electronic clicks okay. like you add yeah, yeah, yeah you so okay. it's, it's really way more in depth of the technology because it's the rr version but my bike i'm really surprised there's a race mode on my bike where at the track friday i'll be able to hit a button and make and there'll be lap times and I record it my fastest lap and so it's uh it's definitely still has a lot of the technology not as crazy but a really good amount way more than i will use for it for so i'm i'm, I'm excited it's good Definitely, and one of those bikes to grow into. That's cool. Like it'll, yeah, it'll and then, keep you entertained for a long time. And because I know the very first five seconds of my video when I released the video on the twenty second about the bike, I'll say, "Hey, everybody, I just bought an S one thousand R, blah blah blah." And then, you know, I turned it on; it has nine miles, and I bet you everyone's gonna be like, "Oh my god, you bought a thousand cc bike, and you're saying you're not even good enough right. for blah blah." And then you'll see the video go on. But then I'm gonna go to the track tomorrow. I'm like, "Look, guys, so all of you guys, I know you're gonna comment, and this is what I'm saying. I know you're gonna say something, but I just went to the track." First, second, third, fourth gear. I'm redlining, I'm, I, and I just broke my lap record. I was a 207 at Chuck Wall, and now I'm a whatever. And I know I'm going to go faster than that. Right. So I'm able to ride I'm this bike. U- I'm using it right very, very well. And this is gonna, like a no kidding. I'm going to the track at least once a month from now until I think the next four months. I'm already scheduled. So you could save your idiot comments. Comments. <laughs> but either way, shut up and go to the track. Beat my time then. Go for right. it. Right. Sure. There's sure, nothing sure. stopping you. The track is right there. Sign up and see if you could go faster than me. Then that's fine. Sure. But um, the money. But it'll, it'll be a uh, it'll it'll be interesting. But I really like the bike. But um, no, you you said something uh, earlier. That I wrote down, but I forgot about like Facebook and everything like that. So I did you see? Why did you watch that video of uh, chicken strips on Facebook? Oh yeah, yeah. So, so I thought it'd be fun. Did you put that out today. Yeah. Well, at least I, uh, yeah, I I shared it to my Facebook page today. Yeah, I thought that was cool. It was good. It was cool. So I decided I was like. Well, how can I get more people to my Moto Jitsu page? I was like, you know yeah. what? I'm just going to upload a video directly to Facebook so anybody can watch it immediately. No YouTube, no ads, just right, right there. And then um, I did that. I made the video, spent all the time coloring and drawing it. it took three, four hours. And I made it, recorded it, and uploaded it, bam. And then I, I uploaded it to YouTube, but I just put it on private. So I will release the video to all my subscribers, but it won't be for like two months because I already have so many videos yeah. listed. Yeah, yeah. But I just decided... How can I drive people more towards my Facebook? I'll just give them a free, you know, whatever video that they can watch right then and there. And I think the last time I looked on YouTube, it has 2,000 views. Oh, cool. 
So um, yeah, I know. I know you were going back and forth a little with one of my buddies, um, Justin. You're going, oh yeah, about talking about size. like the tire, tire width, I mean, whatever. So, I mean, not, which was good. Just, like I thought it was a, it was a good conversation. Yeah, was, no, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't argue with people or anything. And I hope, and and that's another, that's another thing. So, just written communication. Sixty-five percent of what we say is nonverbal. So, like me and you yeah. talking right now. If if this was uh-huh. all written. I mean, you could see my facial expressions sure. and how I'm always energetic. But if yeah. I was just typing, so when people comment, I don't know if they're being, if they're joking, if they're mad, if right. they're angry. And right. people take what I respond back as being mad or angry. I'm like, I'm never not happy. I'm always yeah. like this. I'm just like, yeah. but um. <laughs> so when I was going back and forth with them, I like if I was talking to him, like, and he could see me in person, I'm like, I would've been like, look, man, I've talked to Lee personally about this. I asked him, should I go a size higher on my bike because of this yeah. reason. And he not only explained to me what's in his book of his 30 years racing experience, like this is why it's bad to do that. Don't ever change the size of the tire. If you want to change anything, just change the aspect ratio and you could change the geometry of the bike. But the first number, the millimeter in width of the size of the tire, don't yeah. change it. You'll jack up everything. And he's telling me that face to face. And then his book reaffirms it. And then it's all the experience with racing bikes and the rim size. Yeah. So my knowledge doesn't come from my own opinion. It's based on what I've been learning from right. someone that's sure. the top. Sure. So that's what... Or people like, oh, you're very argumentative on this. I'm like, look, I'm not arguing. I'm just trying to share my experience based on all of my knowledge. And it's not just from I've been riding 50 years and I think I know everything. I've been through 21 courses. The things that I know, I really know. I'm perfectly happy to admit there's a whole lot of crap I have have no idea about. But the things that I really know how to do, I really know how to do. And I've, I've learned and mastered the things that I know how to do. So but I'm perfectly willing to accept. I, I don't know anything about working on a bike. I cannot tell you the first step to change your oil. That's just not my goal, and I have no desire to. I could care less, really. Right. I'll, I'll send out BMW do it. Those guys get paid, and they're smart. But I know how to ride the bike. I don't know how to work on the bike. And that's perfectly <laughs> fine. I'm extremely Absolutely. ignorant to a lot of things. But what I do know, I know very well. So, But that's the thing. To me, that's one of the tricks in life is know what you know and don't pretend yeah. about what you, what you don't know. I mean, oh, that's, my gosh. That's, that's it, what makes life so interesting. There's so many things I don't know. You know, It's yeah. like, why would you get up in the morning if you knew everything? You know, It's like... <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, I've said this to a bunch of people before, not talking about motorcycles, just about, you know, talking about all, all the other things I'm interested in science and astronomy and just yeah. philosophy and everything. But if people, if everybody in the world, can you imagine what tomorrow would look like if every person in the world no longer pretended to know things they don't know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can, can you imagine <laughs> politics and leaders and, and yep. just. Just don't pretend you know what the hell stuff. you're talking about. Be willing to say, I have absolutely no idea. No idea. Let's go yeah. find somebody that actually is a master at that stuff. Right. And uh, I, that would be an, a very interesting shift in the entire world's culture. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So that's a really good thought experiment. It would, yeah. Things would be a lot right. different. <laughs> but just like anything else, you know, Michael Jan- Jackson, Gandhi, whatever else, just be the change you want to see. I try to really acknowledge and admit right away, like, I have no idea what that is. But if I do know, I'll comment on about it or I'll say up front, look, I've had a little experience in the dirt. That's what people ask me to make dirt biking videos, how to ride this in the dirt, how to do this in the dirt. Like, look, I've been through SoCal Supermoto five times, American Super Camp, Moto Ventures three times. I went to Lee Park's house and hung out with him riding around on his dirt bikes at his mm-hmm. house. So I'm good enough to handle myself in the dirt, but there's no way I would make a video about dirt because I have such limited experience right. in the dirt. Even with all those courses. It, 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 I would never make a video. I still won't make a video about anything to do with the dirt because I don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about it because I just, I don't have the experience. Right. But even after, you know, total each one, like what, 11 courses, if you add each one up individually, even though it's the same one, it's a lot of experience in the dirt, but I don't have 
miles of real world riding and trails in the dirt. So I'll never make a video like that because I just I'll just it's just I'll just put my I'll just step on every rake possible trying to explain something, <laughs> and it ain't gonna work out. And I'll just be so blatantly a hypocrite and just like like you could watch someone's video. I'm like this guy obviously has no idea what the hell he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He's trying to explain a U-turn or whatever, and it's right. just this does not go along with your own direct experience or what this is taught or with yeah. any of these books. So that's what I would look like if I tried to do anything in the dirt. People would be like, dude, you're going on the street, stick to the street, stick to the stop street. with this dirt stuff. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you're right. You know, I, I but I'm, I'm, <laughs> but it's a really good point. Cause it's one of the tricks with the internet. You know, it's not just the internet. This is a problem before the internet existed, but now with the internet, it's so easy to get access to information and especially free information you got to kind of have a critical eye, you know, and oh my gosh, like, take, because there is so much good content out there without a doubt, but <laughs> there's some landmines and stuff out there, you know, that, that you got to watch out for. And so you got to have to like, like you said, like, does, does this thing I'm watching or listening to compare with like my experience in life? You know, does this, right. does this make sense or it doesn't make sense? Which, which actually, another thing I was thinking is, you know, I, I was, was thinking the other day about how a lot of what you talk about in your videos and things, is common sense. And then I was like, you know what? That's not the right way to put it because it's not that common, I think. And, and I think that's one of the things you're trying to point out, right? Like when it comes to things, it like, seems that way in hindsight, doesn't it? Like, like chicken strips and whatever. It's like, no, bro, you got to lean the bike over because you got to get them things off the side of the tire, you know? Yeah. So it, it's not so much that it's common sense, but it's definitely like when, when I watch one of your videos, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, you know, right. kind of thing. So, yeah. And, it, um, it's it just like in psychology, like social psychology, whatever else. It seems like it's common sense only in high side. Mm-hmm. You can look back at it and be like, uh, oh, of course that's what the reason. But no, in the right. moment, no idea. Right. But um, just as much information there is on the internet, there's just as much misinformation. Yeah. So I have to say, I tell people all the time, like you have to have a BS filter. You have mm-hmm. to be able to tell what is right. actually credible. People right. send me articles about right. human behavior, or psychology, and all kinds. I'm like, look, dude. Stop confusing your Google search with my master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you sent me an article of the study where one guy took 10 of his friends and had them do a survey. And you're thinking that is an actual peer reviewed article. Like right. you don't even know what the scientific method is or actually what peer review means and what the consensus is or how even come, people come up with ideas. And then even if you do, even if it's a sample of a million people around the world and they all ask him the same question, that's a really good sample of a million people. But I mean, Unless you get to that a big scale, it's so difficult to apply what you learn to all humans in all cultures across all. It's it's just ridiculous. And you're trying to send me this with this article. I'm like, just stop, dude. I can't even. This is so ridiculous. This is why you believe three-headed Martian alligator body saves baby on Mars because you just you right. have no way to tell the stupidity. <laughs> yeah. Stop doing that. Uh, that's too funny. So, uh, how how you doing on time? I know you uh, you're doing a track day tomorrow, which sounds really cool. Actually, it's really good. So, um, uh, Lily went running, but when she gets back, then I probably still have another half hour. Once she gets back, and the, and the car is already fully loaded up. It's 100 oh. percent loaded. All I gotta do tomorrow is um, wake up, eat a really good breakfast, a whole lot of food, go pick up the U-Haul trailer at 10, load my bike up, and then ride up north, pick up my friend, and then ride on up there. And the gate doesn't even open to get into the track area to start to camp out till 5 p.m. But I mean, with the trailer oh, and two okay. bikes, so we're going to be going really slow and it's like four yeah. hours away. Yeah. But um, we'll just take our time and do whatever. So oh, that's cool. road, I always road, like to get there trip. early, early, early. So yeah. I don't like yeah. rushing. I'd rather, it's always get to where you need to go and then chill. And the, Don't yeah. waste your time and then try to rush. <laughs> yep. And you can apply that to anything. You have an interview at this place at 9 a.m. Yeah. 
Well, how about at 9 a.m. the next day, you actually drive that route to see what traffic is like and get there early. Mm-hmm. Even if you're there half hour early, wait in the parking lot for 15 minutes, then go out there and walk inside. And you never right. know what could happen. There could be an accident. Your tire could blow. Sure. Yeah, you got to prepare. Sure. Don't, don't show up all sweaty and in a rush and all yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like freaked out because yeah, you were stuck in traffic. Yeah. Like the, so, in the Marines, we say the seven P's of planning. Um, piss poor performance prevents proper or proper planning prevents piss poor performance. Like okay. something like that. Yeah. Um, somebody used to say that to me all the time, a sergeant major or whatever, but yeah. it's absolutely true. It's um, you don't wing it when it comes to what you love to do. You put in the time to, to actually make the schedule. And, right. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it right. I don't, I don't, I don't, I hate the idea of meteorocracy just half-assing something. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't doesn't one, click. One of the biggest things that that's uh, um, annoying to me, which actually makes me annoyed for about five seconds, and I go back to being happy, is just incompetence. Yeah. Because my whole thing in my whole life since the Marine is be the best at whatever it is you're trying to do. Be that. Be your best at it. Why would you not try to be the best at anything, at whatever you're doing? So um, when people that are just uh, just and just barely do anything, or at, they're at a job and they don't, they they're miserable. But they're barely putting any work. I'm like, you spend a month put, getting your full effort and yeah. watch your life change when you put in all your work and really determine and try to and go there. Be proactive. Hey, boss, what can I do? I'm here a half hour early. Can I help right. out? Can I do this? Anything else? Like, be that so, take so much initiative that people are like, man, this guy is amazing. I bet your life would change if you had a different attitude when you approach sure. what you need to get done. Even if it's just cleaning your house or doing homework or anything, it could be really... It could really change, but it's a mental state, I think. So. No, I think I, it's one of the things I always loved about the concept of this country or something I picked up in elementary school, you know, America being the land of opportunity. Right. You know, it's like it's there, but you got to do something. You got to work for it. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I work in, you know, information technology and computer stuff, and I've been doing it for years and years and years. And so I, I work with people a lot of people who've come to this country from wherever, you know, India, Russia, China, whatever it happens to be. And it's interesting. I mean, I mean, look, there, there are hardworking Americans, right? There's Americans that accomplish and do a lot of things, but it's sometimes interesting to be in a work situation and see, you know, people from other countries who are just glad to have a job exactly. and busting, busting their asses, you know, yeah. and then you got someone who's complaining because, well, you know, I'm not going to work hard because I don't get paid well. It's like, well, if you worked harder, maybe, and you prove what you could do, maybe you'd get paid better. You yeah. Know, kind of. No one's going to walk up to you and be like, hey, you look like you need $100,000. Right. You look like you need a raise. <laughs> yeah. It, so that, that's the thing that's... But then again, so, I mean, who knows why? I mean, I spent so much education trying to figure out why people are like that. But regardless, it's very difficult to change people's behavior. But at least I could just set the right example and yeah. encourage them because that might be the spark Sure. And, I, and it depends on who I'm talking to, which is really fun about being a, an instructor is what I say to you, like say I fly there tomorrow and I'm mentoring you or whatever about Moto Jitsu. Right. I would tell, like say I'm trying to get your vision to be better. What I would say to you would be totally different than what I would say to David mm-hmm. or right. your wife or whatever. But it would be right. the same thing about vision. But it's fun for me to figure out what do I have to say to this person to make them get it in yeah. a second. Because I see you do something, I have to see what would, based on your personality and whatever else. So, right. um it's it's very interesting to see because the way I would talk the way I talk to Marines very different than how I talk to civilians. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. There's no way. I, I might different tell Marines like, look, stop playing around. Just go back and do it again. I don't want to see anything else. Do it again. Just go do it a hundred times right now. Go. Right. And someone else would be like, hey, you're doing really good. You're making progress. That's awesome. You're better than we were five minutes ago. 
take a break. Good job. Totally same thing yeah. to what they'll be doing. But this person is that that's what they need at that moment. And just like if, if every problem is a nail, then you're a hammer or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You got to be eclectic. You have to right. know everything. Yes. The right tool so. for the job. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I'm curious, how did you get the name Fast Eddie? Did that come from motorcycling or something before that? Yeah, people think uh, it, it's just, it seems so direct, literal. Like, my name is Eddie, and I'm fast. So that's right. Fast Eddie. Zero to do with motorcycling. Okay. Zero. So I was, um, I'm pretty sure, I told the story so many times, I don't know if I'm just remembering what I told, or it actually happened. It's starting to be very blurry. I know, but... I know, I know how that goes. <laughs> but um, I'm, I, re- I remember the moment, so we were, I was playing basketball with my buddy in Wisconsin, and uh, my buddy I've known since I was, I think eight years old. And my buddy, my dad used to be really good at throwing hook shots. And he would make full court hook shots like once a week. And he'd be like, hey, watch this. And he'd take the ball and bam, full court. Just He just wow. makes it randomly, just lucky. So my dad did that one time and he missed. And my buddy was like, oh, too bad, F.E. He's like, what's F.E.? It's like, Fast Eddie, that's your dad's nickname. Because my dad's name is Edward Widmar. Okay. He, has no, he has no middle name. My middle name is Edward. My last name is Widmar. So his gotcha. first and last is my middle and last. But um, he's like, Fast Eddie, that's your dad's nickname. That's that's him. And then I was like, where'd you come up with it? But ever since then, all my friends, my mom, me, everybody call my dad Fast Eddie. Has, I don't know where it came from, why he said it. I have absolutely no idea. But it just stuck. So then when he when he died in 2011 or so, I well, I got it tattooed on my arm. Like right up here, it says Fast, and down below it says Eddie, like an okay. old English. Cool. And then um, just to remind my, uh, remind me of my dad. But then when he died, I just adopted the nickname. So when people call me Fast Eddie, it just reminds me of my dad. Has That's zero cool. to do with the motorcycle, mm-hmm. being fast. It's, <laughs> and my name's not even Eddie. People say to me, like, they call me my name like I'm Eddie, or they say F.E., right. or they say yeah. Greg, whatever. But um, I don't care what people call me, but it just reminds me of my dad. And whenever people know that, then people start to make more of a point to, point to say that because it only reminds me of my dad. And that's and that my dad was my biggest mentor to look up to out of anybody I've ever met. He never – I've never – I do not have one memory of my dad ever losing his temper, swearing, getting mm-hmm. mad at someone, being rude to anyone. Wow. His whole life, mm-hmm. never once. Always funny, laughing, making people laugh, and just being a goofball. I mean, just 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 being a kid, just having fun and being very kind, very respectful, but just not not worrying about what other people think so much, and just just a really good example of just all around good guy. Yeah. So that's an awesome role model. Fast, it just it just reminds me of him, and that's oh, it. That's, that's the only. Cool. That's. Hundred percent. That's it. I, I had a feeling there was a cool story behind that. So yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, how how did you get started with motorcycles? Was that like in in the Marines or? So be way yeah. way long ago, before I even joined the Marines at all, um, I had a bike for a very very short period of time. No helmet, no gear, no course. My dad actually co-signed for me at Harley Davidson. I bought a Buell. Oh wow. Like the Harley Davidson sport bikers, yeah. uh-huh. I never been on a bike before in my life. Not even a four wheeler. Not shifting gears. We bought it. I got on the highway and drove home. Wow. Never even been on a bike, but I played the drums, so I know how to do both hands, both feet, okay, doing different time. things at the same time. So it made okay. sense. So I was like, yeah. "Oh, this is simple." Um, and then I went. I joined the Marines, and then my dad sold it, or whatever. But so I don't. I don't really, I don't really count because I tell everybody my first bike was a CBR one thousand. I don't tell people. That that was because it doesn't really because not any training, no gear, nothing. Yeah, no, I got you. I joined the Marines. Didn't think about riding much anymore. Then when I was in North Carolina, one of my really good buddies, he had a he bought a sport bike, and I was like, oh, let me borrow that thing before I used to ride. I know how to ride, so he let me borrow it around for a week. 
And then I, I stopped riding it. He sold it, whatever happened to it. And we deployed. And I came over here to be a drill instructor. I did that for four years. And then California, lane splitting. Like, oh, cool. So I still didn't buy a bike, not really thinking about it. And then I was still stationed here in San Diego. But then I got orders to Camp Pendleton. And it's like an hour north of where I live. So I drive my car an hour to get to work. And then traffic in the afternoon leaving Camp yeah. Pendleton coming south is two and a half hours. And then I see more and more bikes lane splitting. And I'm like, man, you know what? I had a bike a long time ago. And I really enjoyed it. And now I'm a staff star in the Marines. I'm making good money. I have the opportunity. I want to go buy myself a bike. And of course, all my friends I knew, you know, 1,000cc bikes. I had a sport bike before. My buddy had a sport bike. I see people with other sport bikes. I'm like, I want to be cool. I want to fit in. I want to be one of the guys. I don't want to be right. made fun of them for getting a small bike yep. because there was no Fast Eddie to watch on YouTube or anything. So I bought a CBR <laughs> 1000, my first wow. bike. And uh, I took some courses and I'd practice, 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 road, road, road. And then when I had my crash shortly after that, I realized very quickly, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm going to die. So that's when I became extremely driven to take every course possible. So that does not happen again. Or the possibility of happening again becomes extremely low. Because what I learned in uh, my 20th course, the MSF circuit rider course, is they have a skill risk ratio that's just absolutely perfect. So the idea is get your skill really damn high but take a minimum amount of risk. Mm -hmm. If your skill is extremely high, but you're taking the same level of risk, your number is going to come up. Right. And that's that's still better than this scenario where you're taking a lot of risk, but then your skill is low. Sure. That's bad. That's a bad <clears throat> angle to have. Right. My idea is get to be extremely good, but just don't take only the amount of risk I'm willing to take, but nothing crazy. And the likelihood of you getting to an accident will become very, very low because you're not only good enough to handle the bike, you're taking such little risk. It's It's... Unlike, well, stupid things will still happen, but it's way more unlikely because your judgment is so much better. Right. Um, that's the main thing. You could be really good and just have no judgment and just be a risk taker and you're starting to get yourself in trouble. But if you're extremely good on the bike and very aware and you take a low risk, it's, it's very unlikely something crazy is going to happen outside of your awareness. Right. Because you're already predicting it. You're already yeah. ready. You're, I mean, mm -hmm. you're already prepared no matter what. Sure. So um, and, and that was the idea. Well, that was kind of one of your points in the, the chicken strip video that, that I watched right. today, right? Is is that thing of like the less you lean the bike, the better, the more safety right. margin you have. You know, it's For like faster it's, speed turns, the, that the better is the suspension the, works, the better traction you everything. have. It's not about can you get it as far over as possible. Right. It, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, for low speed turning, go do a U-turn on a bike. Like when I the videos I make of how to break in new tires, yeah. that's what I do. I go do figure eights for five minutes and I'm all the way to the edge. So what if I'm just really good at low speed turning, but Pete and I go for a ride out in the canyons and they see yeah. my tires with no chicken strip. Like, Oh dude, you must be really fast. You're cool. I want to get to be like that. Like, no dude, I just did a figure eight in a parking lot. Going right. four. <laughs> it has nothing to do with riding skill. And anybody who talks about chicken strips, brag about it or make fun of other people. It's just a big red flag that says ignorance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just such an extreme lack of understanding of technique and what the purpose is and, so that's why I made that video and I just released it to Facebook. I was like, oh, just go watch it because it might, because I, I hear it, especially in the summer. I mean, California, we could always, already ride year round, but especially there's so many riders. And then every Sunday, the people go on the same route everywhere. And I, I hear people talking about it. So it's like, oh my gosh. It's like you take, it's like here's a mountain of just water and mud. And a lot of people are just sliding down, having fun. And I'm, just, I'm the only one running backwards the other direction like good right. technique burn full gear taking courses yeah. Yeah. but slowly i'm getting an army of people going up the mountain oh, that way. <laughs> and the, the more difficult things i do the less competition i have so yeah. a lot of people keep on sliding but randomly we're helping 
grab these Hold hands, them. people, and get, get them the up the mountain. Of, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So that's the idea. <laughs> so that's a good way to look at it. How uh, how'd you get started teaching? So I um, I was in well after my accident happened on a Tuesday. I went face first into a rock wall, and I realized I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I need to take more courses. But that Saturday, I deployed to the country Jordan. So I got to go see Petra and all kinds of cool stuff. So four months I did not ride, and I was like, well. I had a really bad accident. Do I sell all my gear? Do I sell my bike? Do I just not ride anymore? And then I was like, you know what? I still want to ride, but I just want to be really good. And I want to, I want to make sure this does not happen to no one else because I simply just had no idea what I was doing. I just sucked as a rider. And I was like, I want to try to encourage people to have this happen less or not even at all of people crashing. So I was like, I want to become an instructor. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. I don't know what course is available to do it, but I'm going to get out of the Marines and I want to become a motorcycle instructor with no zero thought i'm in jordan i'm not even in the states to talk to anybody no nothing i'm like i'm gonna do this so i decided i'm getting out and i started making plans and going through the process to get out of the marine corps and people are like what are you gonna do what's your plan why are you getting out you're a drone sector meritorious promoted your your career is like this like right. very i'm like i want to do something else i want i want to go and and i didn't like the marines you know i didn't like the way things were going and blah blah a bunch of reasons and the main thing is i i accomplished my goals in the in Marines. The, in the Marines, yeah. I wanted to deploy. I wanted to be a drill instructor. I wanted to get education. If that took me 20 years or four, I was going to get out regardless. So I was like, it, all these things came together. I deployed, education, drill mm-hmm. instructor. So there you go. I want to go out and be a motorcycle instructor. So I became, so I just started going on base where I was stationed on Pendleton and talking to Dave, who's a black belt in Moto Jitsu. He, he's in charge of the whole Camp Pendleton motorcycle program. And just talking to him, like, I want to be an instructor. So he's like, okay, go through these courses, and just I just started going there every day and practicing and bothering him, asking questions, asking questions. Like, man, you're really motivated. I'm like, I want to do it. I want to do it. And I was like, I'm getting on the Marine Corps after 11 years to do this. I was a drill instructor. They're like, what? You're doing what? So I became an MSF rider coach. Just went through the process very quickly. Within the first year of me riding, I'm already being a rider coach. coach yeah. And Lee Parks won the California contract for the mm-hmm. basic course. Yeah. I went from an MSF rider coach after only about six months of teaching that to Lee Parks curriculum. After going through the two weeks of learning how to teach his curriculum, he made me an instructor trainer, and I'm already training people how to teach the program I never even taught yet because I already had 15 years of teaching experience. He's like, oh, my God, this guy is so 15 years of how to teach people, and he knows how to ride. I'm going to make you a trainer. You don't have to learn. You don't have to to actually do this because you just know how to teach. I just want your teaching ability to go out there. Mm -hmm. Then a month later, I went through the very first intermediate riding clinic instructor course. And then six months later, I'm already doing demonstrations for the advanced riding clinic. So just like it says in my book, I became, I was the fastest person ever to become a basic intermediate and advanced riding course, riding clinic instructor for Lee Park's uh, curriculum. Wow. Wow. Now, w- was any of that while you were still in the Marines or that was after you? No, I got out. So I became an MSF rider coach um, at the end of 2014. My last day in the Marines was Christmas Day, 2014. And right before that is when I went through the transition from msf to total control okay so it, I, just, I only became an instructor just the last six months before i got out of the marine corps a motorcycle instructor so but then so once w- i got certified and all this stuff that's all i was doing for six seven days a week for years oh wow oh, nothing wow. but teaching so were you teaching msf in the marines that like the, the last stint yep. there or yeah yeah okay. so for those six months i would um it was I, I forgot the guy's name but i had a lieutenant in charge of me that would like okay you're getting out of the marine corps and you want to get experience teaching there's courses going on nonstop on base. He let me go and teach on base and like not taking leave or anything. He was like, okay, I know you're getting out. You want to go do this. So you could go ahead, like pretty much go to the motorcycle place and not be here at work and you could go teach. So I'm really grateful. They allowed me to do that. Oh, that's cool. Um, 
So I got experience teaching. I started teaching out in town a little bit as well. And then once he won the contract for the state of California, he also won the naval contract. So now I'm teaching the basic course for Navy guys and Marines and then teaching the intermediate level course to the guys in Coronado. So I, and that's, and I did that for years, two and a half years straight, five, six days a week, doing nothing but teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, that's, it was cool. Yeah. That's intense. That's... Just jumped right into it. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. That's awesome. So then, so, so after you started doing the instruction full time, so at, at what point did Moto Jitsu, like did, when did you start to get the idea about that or? So, um, Lila, was it, it wasn't this year. It was last year I came, I started writing Moto Jitsu or was it the end of last year? Yeah, I think it was, um, towards the middle or endish of last year. Where so after taking all these courses, becoming an instructor, realizing you could get really good because Lee Park's curriculum, even the advanced fighting clinic, is in a huge parking lot, and you could get mm-hmm. really damn good based on how technical we we the drills are and how difficult the stuff is. So, um, doing all those drills and taking all these courses, and like man, you could really practice in the parking lot. So that's when I started taking um, people to parking lots and showing them things and practicing with them, and then. After doing that, then I got to what I told you before. I taking people to parking lots and showing them right. what to do. Then they would ask me, "What do I do when you're out there? And what can I practice?" I would tell people, "Go practice in a parking lot. You could get good." And then someone asked me the key question. I don't remember when it was. I think maybe two years ago. I'm at the parking lot. What the hell am I supposed to do? Right. I'm like, I would try to tell them, but then I finally stepped back and thought about the question more. And I was like, you know what? That is a really good question, and I'm going to find an answer. And I started drawing down things like what what can I, what can you do? What's some easy stuff to do? And you could have stuff for higher level skill. It's also challenging. At the same time, I'm going through um, a whole bunch of different things. I'm actually taking a formal jujitsu course and then learning. This guy's a black belt and he's freaking good. Like it's like wrestling a five year old. Right. Like, you have yeah. no chance whatsoever. This guy is so good. So taking that experience of how good a black belt is and then what can I practice? The moment I thought of how about I make white belt drills in the same exact thought, not even out loud or writing it down. I was like moto jitsu. Nice. Then after that, my mind went crazy. And Lila could tell you, I spent 12, 13 hours a day doing nothing but typing and typing to the point where I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. I wouldn't sleep. I'd wake up at 15, 16 hours a day, just typing and trying to figure this thing out. And I just became obsessed with it and um, just did nothing but that until it got to the point where I got the book, I got the draft, I got Lee Parks to talk about it, got with Lila, got a creative director, pictures, and I just went full-blown and then got it out to people as soon as I possibly can. I mean, the creation of it to the time it's on Amazon available, Moto Jitsu LLC, that was all, everything was less than a year. From the moment I thought about it until the time it's actually on Amazon, way less than a year, probably nice. seven months. The moment I created it, I was like, this mm-hmm. is going to be a book. And, I, and it is going to be available on Amazon. That is my goal. And bam, right. I made it happen. That's, that is cool. <laughs> I mean, Lila's help. That's why I put Lila in yeah. my book in the front cover because, I mean, she has the creative director and um, helped me out with a whole bunch of stuff I have no clue about. And she's always telling me, you're the creator. Let me worry about the editing and the format. I have people that could do that. You can't do everything. Go back oh, wow. to your creator stuff. I'll, I'll get people to make the book. And I found um, one of her friends, the graphic artist, Immortal Concepts on Instagram. Right, he does yeah, so. like designing. Right. He also designed my pop-up tent that I'm getting made. Yes, yeah, which I saw. That's that's cool. So that's awesome. Anybody wants any picture done and you want a graphic artist to do it, go to Immortal Concepts. His name is Andy. He's freaking awesome. He'll do okay. any any picture for anybody. Um, yeah, yeah, actually, I'll, so I'll she put got a, me resources. Link. Yeah, I'll she got me all the resources the to notes. pick up the people that make the book. And yeah. um, 
but I was like, I'm gonna, I'm, this book needs to be done. I was like, I want to, at first I tried to get it done released before Christmas last year. I was like, I want it done. I want this done before Christmas. But then I realized talking to Lee and everything, like you can't just release a book, dude. You have to get your website made and you have to make this yeah. an LLC. So then I yeah. called up Lee Parks. He walked me on the, on the computer, go to this website, type in this, buy this, don't get the cheap one, buy this thing, credit card right now. And I talked to him with them, made the LLC, did all that thing, got it all trademarked, all the, everything. But all that happened six, seven months. <laughs> nice. It's amazing, isn't it? Like when, when you decide to do something, set your mind on doing something and you just, like you said, like you persist and you dedicate it and you don't goof around. It's like yeah. stuff, stuff happens. It's, it's it, pretty cool. So when I started making videos, I was doing no editing, not even making thumbnails. Then I finally, I was like, you know what? Thumbnails, they're attention grabbers and it can yep, make people sure. make one. Look. So I need to make better thumbnails. So I just went to how to make thumbnails on Google. I okay, found right. the first site I clicked on. I figured out how to do it. And I spent four and a half days, 15, 16 hours a day going through all 400 of my videos, redoing every thumbnail, editing every single video wow. of every thumbnail, nothing wow. nonstop. And I, and I, I went, there's one time I did not even move from the chair I'm in right now for, I think for nine and a half hours because nothing else mattered, not even eating, not even going mm -hmm. to the bathroom, not even right. sleeping. That I was, was like, I need to get this done. Yeah. And, uh, just like making my website, my buddy gave me, he went to Wix to make the website and he gave me uh -huh. like a, a skeleton thing just within five and a half hours. I had my website built. Nice. That's, I was like, you gave me the skeleton, uh, bam, I'm on it. Yeah. And then I'm actually having uh, my friend, she's, um, uh, I'm redoing the website because I had a meeting a couple of weeks ago with professional social media people that like do this for a living. Mm -hmm. And um, they told me a bunch of things to do. So I've been re-editing all my videos, which I'm already done. I spent another 12 hours a day doing that last yeah. couple weeks ago. Yeah. But they told me what to do with my website. So she's helping me create a way cooler website with like just looking better for a whole bunch of different reasons. But um, she's like, I love your videos. You're helping me be a safer writer. So she's, not, she's like, oh, I'll just nice. help you out. I'm not charging you anything. So she's helping me build that website. And it'll be released probably within another month or so. It'll be the same MotoJitsu.com. It's just right, old. but different, different look. Oh yeah, and I'm really excited about. It. I could see it right now. I could go in and see what she's yep, doing and look yep, at yep, it. Yep, yep, it's yep. freaking beautiful. It's nothing I could ever done because I'm not a, I'm not, a, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to create websites. I just know how to ride a motorcycle. So you need people for everything. That's why it's all supportive. Everybody helps I, I, each other. Exactly, and that's the thing too. Like we were saying, like know what you know and know what you don't know, and the stuff you don't know. Okay, take the time to learn it or find the people that are really good at it. Yep. You know, so like yeah. you found a really good graphic artist person and get this yep. website thing rolling. So exactly. that's really cool. But it, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how much stuff is available on the, the internet. I mean, when I started this podcast, I knew nothing about it. You know, I'm a co-host on one for like a year and I know people that do podcasts. I was like, so what I do sat down, went to Google. How do you do a podcast? Okay. Boom. Like, <laughs> you know, do, <laughs> do, this, you this, do this. I don't, I've heard of it. I know it's really popular. Uh, he has, I think he's got like a million subscribers or something like five. Six, is five it really now? Wow. And I've been watching Joe Rogan since the fear factor. Uh, that's what I know him. And comedy is hilarious. Yeah. I, I saw him live. His oh, Netflix right. specials on thing, but all of his, his podcast is UFC commentary. I love the UFC, but he has so many different guests, like big popular, huge guests, Mike Tyson. I mean, all uh, political people that you can learn so much stuff. Cause it's uninterrupted for three hours talking to an MMA fighter or, you know, Mike Tyson or anybody. So I really, really enjoy it. It's just, it's such an eclectic variety of people that, um, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, start, who knows where you're going to start off? I mean, Amazon was in a garage and 
five years later, they're a trillion dollar company. So it's, who knows? Amazing. You know? The stories of that, like, like Google and all that stuff, you yep. know, I, I love reading stuff like about Apple and Microsoft and yeah, yeah it's kind of, just, um, I, I love people like that. I don't care what it is. You could be, I mean, I'm so inspired. I I saw the other day on Facebook, just randomly scrolling through, you know, this four year old, she's playing like a $10 million violin and she's freaking like a savant. Wow. Like she is, playing one of the most difficult pieces on this $10 million viol- uh, violin. She's mm-hmm. just four years old. And yeah. i like, that is so amazing to me. Anybody that's really good at anything that are so dedicated, I just love that passionate because I understand. Like um, David Goggins, he's a Navy SEAL and ultra marathon runner. He lost 100 pounds and he's so motivational. And I like the stuff and it's like, oh, that's really good stuff. But I already know that drive that he has inside right. of him. Right. So people never don't have that. They're like fired up. Like, I'm freaking going running 30 miles right now. Right. Because this is going <laughs> That's, I, I already have that drive, but um, Lila was just listening to a, a Netflix special about Beyonce, about how hard of a worker she is and how much she prepares for like Coachella or whatever she's doing. I mean, she, mm-hmm. wow, and I love <clears> that. <throat> Anybody that's good and puts in the damn work to do anything, they're good at. Kevin Hart Dedicated. is an extremely good comedian. He has like 100 other different businesses, and he's just, yeah. he's so focused. I just love people like that. I love that story of, or even the movie Straight Out of Compton, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, they came police beating the crap out of them and they're all gangsters mm-hmm. and idiots garbage music but now they're all billionaires i right. love that story that story. Like that, where you just you kept to your guns and you keep driving you keep working and now they're yeah. all billionaires it's amazing yeah. i love it yeah but that's that's that land of opportunity thing you know exactly it's like everybody it's has like, the same damn opportunity and that's yeah that's what it's all about you could go and do whatever the hell you want to do and people that's the silliest People say that forever and be like, oh, whatever, I can't be an astronaut. Yes, the hell you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you want to be an astronaut at eight years old, well, you'll take every science class. You'll study. You right. won't go drink. You won't go party. You don't care about nothing. You'll do nothing but study over and over and over again. And you'll get to be Neil deGrasse Tyson or Lawrence Krauss and these super duper smart. And you will be an astronaut. You could do whatever the hell. But the biggest factor, people are unwilling. Like I said it over and over again. They're unwilling to put in the time because more sleep is more important. Party is more important. The girl yeah. is more important. Right. Making money is more important, not what they actually love to do. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You focus on what you love, and everything else will work out. That's but, but so I was going to say, it's funny because all those things tend to come when you do that thing, like the thing you're good at, the thing you focus at, the thing you love to do, and you get successful at it. The rest kind of lines up. So, you know? um, if you never listened to this, uh, I'll send you the link. I'll tag you on Facebook, or you just look yeah. it up, write it down. But when I was in Jordan, so I love Alan Watts. He's a philosopher, and uh, he makes. I, I could listen to every one of his videos I probably have on YouTube all day long. It's just I love his voice, the way he talks, and he talks about Zen and Buddhism and mm-hmm. just a whole bunch of different things. So I listened to this video called um, by Alan Watts, A-L-A-N-W-A-T-T-S. What would you do if money were no object? Three-minute-long mm-hmm. video. And the things he said, I was listening to that in Jordan, and I was like, what would I love to do? I love motorcycles. I love teaching and I was like, I'm going to get out of the Marine Corps and become a motorcycle instructor. That is exact. I listened to that thing over and over again. I really started thinking about my life. Like, what could happen? I'm deployed. Something could happen. I could die. Am I really satisfied with what I'm doing now? Do I really love it every day? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't. I want to do something I truly are extremely passionate about. And I love it. So I'm going to go and do this. But um, listen to that video. And he says, don't worry about the money. Whatever you love. What, what would you do if money were no object? Do you love horses? Do you want to teach in a riding school? Do you love whatever it is? Put in all your effort to get really good at whatever the hell that thing is and the money will come eventually because you'll become a master of it. Right. And I'm living proof. I've spent so much time learning to be a really good writer and practicing and spent all this time learning how to teach and communicate 
that now I make these videos and it's just effortless to me. I, and how I do these things on the bike, there's no, it's not hard. Do like, mm-hmm. oh, I watch your motive just do black belt demonstration. It looks very easy. It is. It is to me. Right. Because you know how to do it. It's so yeah. easy. Yeah. But right. um, and now I'm able to, you know, I upload the videos and all this kind of stuff and people appreciate Patreon and t-shirts and book and, and I'm able to, I don't even have to work. It's, it's unbelievable. So it, it will come. But yeah. if, if you love that, do it. Do what you and, love. And that's interesting too, like what you said, like you don't have to work. Like that that's an awesome viewpoint to have because you probably work work, quote unquote, harder than a lot of people, but you yeah. love you yeah. love what you do, right? So it's like <laughs> Yeah, the second you said that I thought about anybody else looking back at me, like, dude, you work your tail off. Like you put in twelve, fourteen hours a day, like you nonstop are working, constantly doing stuff. But I'm like, I'm my mentality is but, I, I don't have to work at all. Right. If you I don't have to have it, a it's... formal job, even teaching. Right. I, I back off from teaching. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, if you put me on a couple days a month, sure. But if I don't, eh, no big deal. Or I, I could say, I could tell, I could call the lady that does the scheduling, like, hey, for July, don't even put me on schedule. Not, not it, right. And I, and I wouldn't okay. even care. Okay, like, no, like no I, I'm not teaching July because I just want to go hang out with my friends or go on vacation, whatever I'm doing. But, um, yeah, I, I never thought about it like that until you, the moment you yeah. said that. Yeah. Where my my mindset is, I don't have to work at all. That, I, I don't want awesome. you. That's but anybody awesome. looking at me like, dude, you put in so much time. You're working nonstop. You must be exhausted. I'm like, hell no. I'm energized. I get energized by what I'm doing. I don't get exhausted. And I'm naturally an introvert, but I learned how to be an extrovert because I in the Marines I have Teaching to cheat. Yeah. But I recharge my batteries the most being alone and you know not going out with big groups of people. I don't like that stuff. Right. But um, I can do it when the there's always a time and place. It's not sure. one or the other, yeah. but um, no, it energized me reading comments, replying back. I absolutely love it. Even right now. I mean, we've been talking for however many hours and Almost I know there's hours, so many yeah. emails and comments and, I, yeah. and I'm excited that every time I look at my phone, it's not, yeah. it's not a burden, right? It, right. it, it It's pleasure. It's, it's absolutely, fun. people are seeking knowledge and they're wanting to be better. They have something to say. They have a question and I, I cannot wait to talk to these people. So I, I love it. That's cool. That's awesome. And it's interesting you mentioned Alan Watts. I I didn't know him by name, but maybe this is where it came from because years ago I had heard this kind of similar thing where, you know, someone asked, so if if money was no object, what would you do in life? You know, and the person says, blah, 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 blah. And then the next question is, why aren't you doing it? Yeah. And that, like, I heard that. I was like, whoa, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What am I waiting for? (laughs) You know, kind of thing. I mean, I used to tell us people, I, I tell us to so many different, I always figure out a way to say what I'm about to say, either during my master's degree and I have to do a PowerPoint presentation. And the first thing you have to do is gain attention. I might say a quote like this, whatever it is, but I say, I've, I say this so many different times. I don't know where I heard it said, I'm not the first one, but I mean, every day go to a newspaper and there's a list of people in alphabetical order that are no longer here in the obituaries. Yeah. So no one is promised you're going to wake up tomorrow. I could literally die in my sleep. Why would you waste one second not doing what you love to do? Whatever the hell it is. You like right. dogs? Go work at a dog school trainer. Just do what you love because tomorrow you will not guarantee to wake up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No one is. And it doesn't. Right. So what you're doing on what it should make a you should be happy in this life and not just going to work because you have to go to work because that's what you feel like you have to do or a social pressure tells you to do that or you're not going to do this. Can't make money. whatever. But that, that stuff will come. Is your happiness not the priority of your fulfillment of your life and money is? You'll just be wasting your time making more right. money. And then I know right. people, I have not a friend. Not enjoying she, it. Yeah. Oh my God. I have a friend. She makes 30 grand a month. Miserable. Mm-hmm. A month. Yeah. Not joking. I saw her paste right. up 
Yeah. Unfulfilled, hates her job, stressed out as crap, hair falling out, ulcers, all kinds of jacked up. Yeah. And but people would think, oh my god, thirty thousand dollars a month. I'm free. She's so happy. Hell no. Hell no. It doesn't make a damn difference. Do something you love to do, but no one's guaranteed for tomorrow. So make right now. Do right now. And that's always the biggest thing. I always go back to that. And people ask me, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could be a motorcycle instructor. Like, you want to be an instructor? I can teach you how to do it. Like, you work your normal job, but you want to teach on the weekends and teach motorcycle class? Dude, I'll show you. I'll connect you to the people directly in charge of that. I can make you an instructor. You can come to my house. I'll show you how to teach. I'll teach you anything you want to know for free if you yeah. want to do it. Like, I encourage follow do that. But why not? But don't, don't wait. But people have to decide to do it. And, and that's the thing. It's like it's that it's that step and whether it's the light bulb going on or whatever, right? The people, they have this dream, this thing they want to do, but they got to, they need that little push to actually go do it. And, and it's interesting because one of the reasons I finally started this podcast and something I'd been thinking about for a couple of years was my, my dad passed away in February. And one of the things he said, I actually talked about this a couple episodes ago. One of the things he said, like his last day with the family, one of the things he said to me was basically don't, don't waste your life waiting to do the things you really want to do. You know, right. it's like to decide what your purpose is. What is it that drives you? You know, what's the thing you love and just freaking go do it. Exactly. <laughs> Stop waiting. And it really, it like, it makes so much sense. Like I said before, like it, it's common sense, but right. I, I was, something was, I was waiting for something. I don't know what it was. And I was like, looking at it going, he's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Know, so I don't want to yeah, wake so up and be 70. The, yeah. It was the kick why didn't I buy a motorcycle? Why didn't right. I join the Marines? Why didn't I become a drill instructor? What if? Right. And I don't want to have, I, I used to have that a regret a lot. Like I, what if I would have done that? Who knows where I would have been? And I hated that feeling. It just, it's a terrible feeling. I was like, you know what? There is going to be no more. If I want to go do something, I'm going to go do it. And that's what I love to do. I will figure out, I'll at least try. I'll sure. try to do it. And if it doesn't work out, I tried it. I didn't right. have the regret of not doing it. Yeah. Cause I absolutely hated that so much in my life where I decided I'll never going to have that feeling again. Even if I don't like it or if I just stop or I'm not even that good at it, at least I figured out. I try. I learned I'm not that good at that. I could, I'll could. i try to do that. But give it an attempt. Yeah. I mean, ask for promotion. I mean, do whatever. Right. They're just going to say no, but ask. Do something. Try it yeah. out. Yeah. It's, it's actually interesting. When, when I graduated from college, I studied uh, engineering. At, at the graduation, the, uh, the speaker, the guest speaker was Grace Hopper, mm. who at the time was the highest ranking woman officer in the Navy. She has that quote that I say to all the time. It's it, in Lee's it, book. Exactly. A ship in port is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. Okay. Well, the, I don't remember she used that one, but the, the one I remember that really stuck was she, she talked about how a woman, you know, who was, was not a lot of women in the Navy at the time that she enlisted or joined, or joined up. And so she said she had adopted this philosophy of it's much easier to apologize than get permission. <laughs> and, and that was her operating basis, and that's how she got where she got. And 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 she was also a likable person. Like she didn't, you know, kind of like you said about you know people make negative comments or something about a video, or whatever. Like you don't blast them and like, what's wrong with you? And you're an idiot, right? It's like you just have a way, to just kind of handle it and just be pleasant and like, hey, dude, I'm just you know here trying to help people. And so I right. think that's what she did. So it's like she didn't she didn't wait to get permission. She just did it, and then she demonstrated what she did. And I guess people are like. Wow, that's pretty cool. Like, what you know, what what are we gonna do? Like, punish her because she did something we needed, or something that exactly. was really really cool? Yeah, yeah so that's exactly so, right. That's kind of funny. All right, so actually, we're almost on two hours. It's been this has been a lot of fun. So, um, before, like I said, I, if, if if we didn't get off the, if we stopped this at three in the morning, I bet you I could still. I mean, it's endless. 
Like, oh, absolutely. I, like, Believe it's me, funny because I got a ton of questions. So, so maybe we'll do this again sometime because I got lots more questions for you. <laughs> yeah, we can do as much as you want. But I mean, it's yeah. funny because whenever I go to practice with people and people ask me questions or if they're new to practicing, they just want to talk to me because of my videos and, yeah. you know, whatever. But um, it gets to the point where it's like I look around to everybody. I'm like, okay, everybody, everybody look at my patch. What does this say? Okay, let's get that. Let's stop chatting. Let's let's spend the time practicing. Shut up. We gotta shut up and practice. I just whenever I get um, talk with somebody that's you know that's interested in whatever, it's it's always I could just it could talk forever. But yeah. anyway, we'll do a fast round question and answer thing or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. So we could, uh, all, we could always do this again. Like we could do this once oh, a month. Definitely. Like, uh, absolutely. If you're up for it, I'm up for it. It's it's awesome. It's been a lot of fun. Now that I know how this stuff works. Yeah, we could do. <laughs> yeah, we're all hooked up now, right? <laughs> Got all the bugs ironed out. So I I know we kind of talked about this a lot during the discussion, but you know, what, like I said, one of the things. My goal is to help new riders get going and particular like kind of what you were talking about, like overcoming whatever's backing them off. It's like they want to ride, but they're afraid or whatever it is. They're not sure, like trying to help people overcome that stuff. So is there anything we haven't talked about yet, like suggestions you would have for new riders? You know, people who either haven't written and, and want to get started or, you know, whatever, they're having a little difficulty um, I actually have a slightly different viewpoint about people that are on the fence of starting to ride. I will, I would never encourage anybody to ride. Mm -hmm. If they're on the fence, I would say don't. Yeah. Because if they're not, if they're not in their mind, I want to ride a bike, then they're kind of like, oh, maybe, but it's kind of dangerous. I just think they're not, they don't have the right mentality to do what it takes to be really good and be really safe. Right. So if they're just on the fence, like, oh, maybe I want to ride, or they're kind of thinking like that, I'm like, oh, well, just don't. Or, you know, take a course that provide the bike for you and then see if you actually right. want to ride. Because I, I just know a lot of people that take the basic course, they pass everything, but then they realize, wow, this is actually difficult and it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't have the time or the discipline to take additional courses and wear all this gear and practice. I don't want to ride. And I give them a high five. Sure. Unless injury, accident, yep. crash, fatality on the public road. So. If people are on the fence like that, like, oh, can you, or people comment and they ask me, hey, my wife wants to ride. I'm trying to encourage her to do so, but she kind of doesn't want to. I'm like, stop doing that. I, I don't recommend trying to persuade somebody. If they don't want to do it or they, right. they need help right. to do it, I don't think they're in the right mindset to be a really good rider. And I think it's just most likely it'll be a negative outcome. They're going to get too mm -hmm. afraid or get an accident. Like, um, like Lila, she's almost uh, hardly not even riding, like not even don't want to ride. And she'll she kind of talked to me in the way she approached me, like, oh, I got something important to talk about. Like, she thought I would have a different attitude. She's like, oh, you know, your buddy just crashed. You know, my buddy Tim that flew off yeah, the cliff. Yeah, sure. And then another guy crashed before that. He's like, I don't know if I want to ride. I mean, it's really, it's not worth the risk to me. I'm like, don't, don't ride. Take right. a bike. I don't, I don't care. Right. I will never say, oh, come on. You can keep out. That that will never come out of my mouth. If you make the choice to want to ride, you're like, I want to ride. I want to figure this out. And that's your attitude. I'll mm -hmm. help you. I'll do yeah, anything in my power. Totally. But if you're like, eh, I'm like, ah, oh, it's probably better not. Or just take the course and see. So that's brand new riders. But people that are already riding, the three things I talk about, I think I have two videos about this, the three pillars of riding. You only have an eighth grade education if you've only taken the basic right. course. I don't care if you have been riding for 20 years or have a million miles. You're only, you will pick up things on the street. Yes. But if something happens outside of your experience and knowledge, you literally will not have any idea what to do and you will panic and panic is mm -hmm. the overwhelming capacity for self-help you get so you cannot do anything different there is no other option when you're panicking 
and you panic because you don't know what the hell you're doing because you only have a very limited understanding. The only way, the only way to get really, really damn good. I know people that had never taken a course before and they could ride around on their bike and they just kind of taught themselves. But if something happens, like a yeah. stop sign, car blows a stop or something like that, to stop really fast or actually corner really well or swerve, they're going to be unable to know the technique because you don't know what you don't know. You will not just pick up by riding for a million years right. the things right. I've learned in the courses I've taken. You will not pick Os- that up. Osmosis just absorbed from the universe, right? Like No, you will not. You, you, could, you could pass an eighth grade science class, but you will not know what Neil deGrasse Tyson knows. Right. Just by doing eighth grade science for 50 years straight, you have to take more courses. That is the way to get really good in the shortest amount of time. You could be pretty good by teaching yourself and kind of learning and you know, kind of working your way through things. But if you want to be a good rider and you want to be a good rider and have a very less, less likely chance of getting yourself hurt, just keep taking at least two a year. Go to mm-hmm. another course. Whenever you feel you're comfortable, go to another course. And get served another big slice of humble pie and realize you don't know shit. And I love the feeling. People don't people don't like the feeling of being in front of their peers or people like I don't want to go to the course because I want to get shown up. My ego is gonna get exposed. Yeah. I don't really don't know what the hell I'm doing. I love the feeling of being in an environment where I'm the stupidest, the slowest, mm-hmm. and the least person. If you're if you're in a room and you're the smartest person in that room, you're in the wrong damn room. Yeah, agreed. Go go learn. Go search out and seek people that are way better, smarter, faster, whatever, and attach yourself to those people. And I love that feeling of going to another course. Like, man, there's so much crap. I just went to my 21st course and the light bulb kicked on big time at the Yamaha school about trail breaking and what's actually possible. And I was like, I didn't learn one bit of new information that day. Like, I didn't learn any, any new knowledge. But the experience of what I learned of what's possible with the front brake and you could actually do that, it changed a lot of stuff about my riding because that was the one thing I just didn't get anywhere else. But I would never, ever, ever have gotten that. Right. Any, I mean, you think I would have by then, 20 other courses? And I, I don't go, why would I even take my 21st course if I would have the attitude of I already know everything? I realize yeah, I don't yeah. know nothing, and I realize the only way to get better is more courses and more mentorship and more reading. So that if anything, it's just it's just that. And then, ironically, everything I just said is maybe ten percent of the equation. The other ninety percent is you have to practice the stuff. You Hard can, work. <laughs> you take every course I've taken, twenty-one days in a row. Take all twenty-one courses I've taken, and you will not be able to do one thing I could do on the bike. Because people realize, don't realize I had one hundred forty thousand miles in three and a half years. I take the courses, but I ride. I practice and go ride and ride and ride so damn much. You take whatever course it is, great. You, it's like drinking from a fire hose. You learn the techniques, and you learn what you suck at, and you learn the, the drills of what you could go set up, but it's on you to take the initiative yeah. and practice that crap until you're really good at it. No one course will change your life unless you go through and actually put that stuff into play. People say, oh, I've taken the course SoCal Sumo. I didn't think it was that good. How much have you practiced the stuff since you left? Oh, I don't. Well, what do you think is going to happen? There's no miracle course. Right. Practice not... the stuff. So you got to learn the information by through formal training and then put in the time to practice that. That is the fastest and simplest way to have the fastest amount of growth in your riding ability and the least likely chance of you get into a serious trouble or an accident. Um, and I'm living proof of it. People literally think I'm joking when I say I haven't been riding six years yet. And all these courses, everything I could do on the mm-hmm. bike, all the knowledge I have, like, that's insane. You've been riding for since you were three, right? Like, no, dude, I just put in more time than you. I'm, I'm, I'm more dedicated to, to not crash anymore because I almost died. Yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to have you not die or not crash to realize this sucks. Like, isn't that wisdom, learning from someone else's mistakes? I don't have to get a DUI to realize that sucks. 
Right. Like I can learn from everybody's mistake that happened every damn night everywhere. I don't have to do that. Hopefully people won't have to crash and test the strength of their gear before they buy quality damn gear. Yeah. That's that's the idea. Yeah. That, that's yeah, really yeah. what I hope everybody could get more than anything else is what I just said. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Makes a lot of sense. So uh, how can people contact you? I know how to contact you, but what's what's the best way? So I'm making it to be, um, I'm trying to have everything go to one spot where you could have access to everything in one spot. And right now it is, it's a very primitive, basic version of it, but just motojitsu.com. My website has my contact information. You can mail me stuff or mail me a letter, my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, my email address, my playlists, all my videos, everything. Motojitsu.com, my website has every single thing um, to any way possible to do anything. My book. Everything is on MotoJitsu.com. That is the one-stop shop for everything. All right. Awesome. So I will definitely put a link to the website in the show notes for this. So people listening to the podcast, just in your podcast player, click the link and you'll have everything there. Yeah. And pretty soon it'll be way cooler because um, that new website looks awesome. But um, And then just uh, you said you'll just send me the link and then I could post mm-hmm. it on my stuff. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. Yeah, this is a, a really great conversation. Just like anything you could tell. I could literally talk forever about this stuff because I just as much passion as I put into all this stuff is, is if there's any way like you said something a while ago. It just reminded me, say I make a video and nobody likes it. Like they like the pipe loud pipe saves lives. And I, how I think that's ridiculous. Like all the thousands of comments that people say I'm an idiot and it works and blah, blah, blah. But one person understands, wow, you're like, I get it. I don't rely on a piece of a bike. I got to re- upgrade the software. Yeah. not the hardware leave right. the bike alone i gotta take another course and if only one person got it out of that video of all the idiots or just people that just 100 percent disagree because they think their pipe saves lives i understand but even if, even if one person takes one course additional because of this of something i said in that video it's worth it it's worth it because I, I realized as a drill instructor i can't expect all 100 percent of these recruits to be really good marines and be self-disciplined and, and have you know the spark so I used to get very upset about the 10% of idiots that should never graduate. And I try to get them dropped. Like, no, you should not graduate. You're a sh- crappy Marine. You're, you have no integrity. You have nothing. And I would get really mad at those guys. But then my high, high mentors as a drill instructor, they're like, you're focusing on the 10% of idiots, making you less of a drill instructor. You're not trying as hard. Focus on the 90. Yeah. So that shift my whole damn life. So now I focus on the 90% of people that are really good, that are seeking out information, that want to be good riders. And the 10% of idiots that are wearing shorts and a t-shirt doing willies up and down the beach, they're not watching my videos anyway. And I can mm-hmm. care less about them. And I'm irrelevant to them, just like they're irrelevant to me. I right. focus on the people that actually care. And those are the people I worry about. And that's what keeps me driven, not the bad examples of what I see, everything. It, it doesn't bother me. It's stupid, but I know that's not the majority because most right. people are mostly good most of the time. Absolutely. And that's where I put all my energy into the people that are actually seeking. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, it, it's one of the things I love about motorcycling and it, it's for sure true about other areas of life, but there's just, it just gets into all these interesting areas, like the different things we've talked about tonight, right? Like education and philosophy and like, like how do you do like, it, it's all kind of comes together and it's connected. It's just yeah. why there's always something new to learn. And there's so many experiences with people. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's bad apples everywhere, but most of the people I meet on a bike, they're just the friendliest people and they just want to talk yep. and share ideas and help you out. And it's just, it's just a great community. Yeah. And and most like like I said, most people are mostly good most of the time. I spent two years in Iraq, 
And most of the people over there are just like you and me. They just want good yeah. things. They want a future. Right. And they hate the idiots putting right. bombs in the road just as much uh, as we it, hate them. There's, there's yep. just the 10% of morons that make everybody look bad. Yep. Um, just like the 10% of bikers revving their engine up and down doing wheelies that make all yep. of us look bad. Sure. That's not us. Right. But the big, big uh, mistake that a lot of people make, whole countries make, whatever, is judging an entire group of people based on a couple idiots. Right. Like that's, It's such ignorance to do that. Yeah. Like even Marines, Marines do something. And then I know drill instructors that do really stupid stuff. But that one drill instructor, even if you met or cops, like say mm-hmm. you met, you say you had 100 horrible interactions with cops. OK, what what is that a percentage of that out of all the cops in the United States? Right. What point zero zero one? Right. So right. you cannot say all cops are idiots or racist or everything because of your tiny little experience. experience. Most people are not that. Most yeah. people are mostly good. And um, it, and I, I have found out. If everyone you meet is kind and respectful, it's probably because you are. Mm-hmm. People yep. will mirror you so they fast. You come respond. with people with respect and kindness. I don't yeah. care who they are. They could be a the baddest gangster guy or the politician or the janitor or the waitress. If you treat everybody, I don't care if the president walked in or a four-star general or the cleaning lady. Any person is treated the exact same way in my eyes. I don't care what you are. Your no. title, nothing <clears throat> means nothing. You are a person. And I just, exactly. I can inspire you. I can learn from you. I can talk to you. And it's perfectly fine. I have no, it's just like in the Marines. Everybody's green. Everybody's just a Marine. Right. Right. Sex, right. nationality, religion, it means nothing. I don't care what you do. You're a Marine. You're a person. And that and you judge individually based on what you personally do. I don't care about whatever you affiliate with. What is your life? What is your goals? What do you do? How do you treat me? Right. Just, again, just be the example. Treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. It's very, Absolutely. very good. Good way to end it off. <laughs> all right fast Eddie. i appreciate it it's been a lot of fun definitely would like to do this again well i i know one of these days we'll get a chance to meet in person um no we will not, we definitely maybe I'll will. come out come out to san diego or i know you're going to be traveling around and stuff so maybe we'll hook Eventually. up one of the one of the cities you visit so and dave was telling me about because he lives on the island and i didn't realize yep. there's actually twisty roads going back and forth on the island or whatever else it was but and yep. then so the funny thing is i'm actually planning a trip to go to new york because Lila's from New York. She grew oh, up wow. her whole life there. Okay. And it's so fascinating to me that the island and all these bridges and the Bronx, and I've okay. never yeah. been there, so I really want to go. So I'll, I'll probably go out there way earlier than, um, but I'm, I'm, I even think this year we might even come out there. But either way, I'll rent a bike or I'll go or whatever and I'll come awesome. out. Even if we, I don't have a bike, like Dave came here, we just met at Starbucks and I brought him to my house and we're just chatting, we even ride. Yeah. So yeah. Um, definitely be fun to meet in person because this is what I love more than anything. Like one on one conversations or mm-hmm. very small groups. I could handle right. big groups of people because I learned how to teach, but I like the smaller one-on-one, more intimate sure. conversations. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's the best thing I love to do more than anything. Yeah, so, okay, cool. yeah, it's a lot of yeah, fun. Um, so we, we can easily do this once a month. I, I could awesome. easily. Awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Gene and I, we're on Long Island also, so if you do come out, let me know. You could borrow Perfect. one of my bikes. We go for a ride. You could teach me a few things. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun. Maybe, I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll be ready to test out on some belts. Yeah, be be ready. And I tell people, have the attitude if I come to your city, like, hey, I'm about to get white and blue. I'm that good. I'm ready. I got the questions. Bam, I could do everything 20 times in a row. I'm ready. Don't be like, oh, I might be able to test white. No, don't have the attitude. Be like, have that initiative. Put in the time and the work. Like, I'm going to get white belt right now. Bam, I could do it. Because I'm going to Arizona again next month. Yeah, I saw that. Um, That's cool. So, to, with Dan and the firemen and everything. So, um, people are like, hey, I'm ready. I can't wait. I'm going to get blue belt. I know I will. I can already do this stuff. I'm like, Hell yeah, I love that attitude, you know. Nice, nice, nice. All right, well, listen, enjoy your track day tomorrow. I'm looking forward. Oh, man. You're going to do yeah. some videos, right? 
uh, yeah, yeah, because um, I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna make an actual separate video of me at the track. Like me, a couple laps on the track with my GoPro and just random things will be all tied into my video about the new bike. Okay. But I'll post a lot of clips tomorrow of just the racetrack and everything all on Instagram and Facebook. So you'll see that stuff. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, man. Well, good night. Yeah. And uh, I'll catch you. Yeah, next. Good night. Good, uh, good chat with you. Thanks for doing this. It's, uh, oh, absolutely. It's been, fun. It's been a blast. I appreciate okay. it. Ciao. Awesome, man. So I'd really like to thank Fast Eddie for coming on the show and uh, and joining me. I definitely had a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I know we covered a lot of different areas, um, but kind of kind of reminds me of uh, the episode I did a couple couple weeks ago, Old Man Slacker and Motorcycle Philosophy, because we got into more than just motorcycles and riding and technique and whatever. Uh, it's one of the things I love about motorcycling is it just brings in all kinds of aspects of life. So, uh, yeah, so really interesting topics. Like I said, hope you enjoyed it. So definitely uh, contact me anytime you want. You can email me at soyouwantaride at yahoo.com or find me on my website, soyouwantaridemotorcycle.com. Please like and leave me comments and a rating on your favorite podcast service. That'll help other people find my podcast and you'll find it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, etc. And also if you would like and follow me on Facebook and Instagram, just search for So You Want to Ride. And uh, I've got a couple um, private groups on my Facebook page. So if you want to join any of them, you could take a look. There's about six or seven different groups, just, you know, different subjects related to motorcycling. So just let me know if you'd like to join. And definitely please spread the word, you know, share the podcast, share my Facebook page, you know, my posts and whatever, help me build my online, I'm sorry, build my online community. And uh, I thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. (laughs) 